You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the Green Dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. This is Jeremy with Kylie. Hello, hello. And we are a strategy battle game in Middle-Earth podcast, and we're going to talk today about one of my favorite armies, and favorite armies because it is so, 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 so pretty on the board. It is the Mirkwood Elves. They are also called Thranduil's Halls. Yeah, good old Thrandaddy and his band of merry men that decide to move their little party uh, from place to place when pesky hobbits decide to come in and crash it. Mm. So this is a, an interesting elf army, Kylie, because, of course, it came out in the Hobbit era. So it's got a slightly different aesthetic to, to the Lord of the Rings elves, like our Rivendell elves. It's got a very different aesthetic to the, the Lothlorien ones, especially those pixie wood elf ones that the Games Workshop came out with uh, on their own. And I really, I, I like the aesthetic. I must admit, when they first came out, Carly, the helmets took a took a bit of a while for me to, to grow to like, especially the Palace Guard ones. Initially, uh, the squid helmets uh, didn't, didn't particularly resonate with me, but the more I painted them and the more I played with them, I think I've grown to like them now. So, so like what happens when, when a model wins some games for you, when it does well on the board, when it accompanies one of the most beautiful models in the game in Thranduil, then I grow to like it. What about you? What do you think about the aesthetic? I'm, I'm of a similar boat. When I started uh, painting specifically the Mirkwood Rangers, I, I found them a bit kind of all over the place, particularly, and the Hunter Rocks as well, and the Palace Guard. Just a lot of the new Hobbit models. There's a lot, they're a lot more busy in terms of like the finer details on the model. And at the time, I wasn't as comfortable painting finer detail as I am now. So it was, it was a bit of a challenge and an opportunity for me because as I painted these models and got more accustomed to them and found little bits where, you know, I could put tiny bits of detail and pick out more of the detail, I became more comfortable with those much more higher detailed models that the, uh, the newer Hobbit models are known for. Yeah, I think I did as well. Like there was a lot more little little lines and things that you have to do to get them right. I will say the the resin, the Games Workshop resin, which was fine cast, and now they're not marketing as fine cast, but pretty much is the same stuff or pretty close to it. That stuff is pretty terrible to work with. So you've got lots of resin elves in this army. You've got some very nice plastic ones, and you've got probably the best. Actually, it was voted as by, by the community as the best model in the whole range, Thranduil. So if that's not enough to get excited about this, I don't know what is. Yes, and speaking of Thranduil, he's the kind of the, the first model off our counter of the rank for Know Thine Enemy. So why don't we jump into a Know Thine Enemy and get straight into it, Jeremy, because I am really looking forward to dissecting this army list. Sounds good to me. Know thine enemy. Halls of Thranduil Deep within the gloom of Mirkwood lie the halls of the Elven King of Thranduil. Unlike the Elven Kingdoms of Rivendell and Lothlorien, the Elves of Mirkwood have little interest in the world outside their borders, choosing instead to rarely set foot beyond their own realm unless they have great cause to. Thranduil the King of the Woodland Realm is a proud and stubborn lord, one who has faced great loss over the ages. Since the passing of his wife, Thranduil has cared little for the rest of Middle-earth or the fate of those that enter his realm unless he is able to use them to obtain something he wants. 
His son Legolas commands the palace guard, the most elite warriors in the ranks of the Woodland Realm's armies, and is one of the greatest archers in the history of Middle-earth, a skill that he utilizes many times throughout the later years of the Third Age. Under the young prince's command, the palace guard have ever been on hand to defend the borders of Mirkwood from the foul creatures that would seek to destroy them. The bulk of Thranduil's grand army is made up of Mirkwood elves, clad in shining armor and armed with a variety of weapons, from their fabled bows to the double-ended glaives, a weapon unique to the elves of Mirkwood. The glistening hosts of Mirkwood are a formidable army upon the battlefield, and a force that have kept the Woodland Realm safe from intruders for many long years. Since the necromancer took up residence within the walls of Dol Guldur, Mirkwood has become a dangerous place to live. Those that wander off alone are rarely seen again, either because they strayed from the path and became lost, or succumbed to a grisly fate within the forest boughs. Packs of wags stalk the pathways of Mirkwood, and deep within the gloom, older, fouler creatures lurk, waiting to ensnare the unwary. These creatures have become bolder since a dark power fell upon the forest, and Greenwood the Great is Greenwood no longer. It is the duty of the Mirkwood Rangers to patrol Thranduil's realms, and rid the forest of any threats to the safety of his halls. Patrol leaders such as the Fiery Tariel lead the rangers in their duties, and more often than not will take the lead in clearing out the giant spider nests that are appearing in the forest more and more frequently. As the Battle of Five Armies approaches, the armies of Thranduil will have to put aside their issues with the wider world and take up arms for they must fight not just for their own survival, but also for the very future of Middle-earth. So Kylie, we start with Thranduil, and the army list is based around him, so you know he's going to be good, don't you? You know he's going to be the star of this army. So for Thranduil, for 100 points, and you're never going to spend 100 points, you're always going to spend more on him, I'm sure. He gets uh, the Elf Mirkwood Infantry Hero Characteristic, and he is a Hero of Legend. So straight away, you get some some bonuses for your first Courage Test that you, you fail from break, and you get to take 18 Elves, which is actually really handy, because sometimes you don't get the Hero Mix quite right, and you need to put some extra Elves in his Warband. So 18 is a good amount. His Movement of 6, what do you expect? Fight Value of 6 with a 2+. 2+, plus. Two plus is really nice. 6 uh, it's not so overwhelming for a, for an elven lord just yet, but just wait. Just hold on. He's got a strength of four. Not so overwhelming. A defense of four. Ugh. Attacks two. Mm. Wounds of three. Yes. Happy with that. Courage of six. Oh, that's fine. No problem with that. Three might, three will, three fate. So, and an elven sword, elven cloak with heroic actions of accuracy, strike. Good. Strength. Mm, haven't used that one. Defense. Nice. And lots and lots of options. So just as a base profile, Kylie, before we go to all the options for that, do you think that's about a 100-point profile? Uh, yeah, pretty close to it. I mean, it's always disappointing that he doesn't have that uh, third attack. But as we'll get into, that is very, very easily solved with his options. And I think that's where Thranduil shines now. Before, he was a very kind of very plain vanilla profile kind of in the old rules before the hobbit but now mm. they've created this really nice kind of solid baseline that you can basically chop and change and add bits and pieces to to kind of make him the hero that you need for his list yeah absolutely so that's exactly what i was thinking along that lines if that was just the option it's just the, the sword the cloak uh i'll probably take it but I wouldn't be racing to take it. It's not like a, wow, this is an amazing one. It's got some really good heroic actions, and it's got the three might, 
three will, three fate. That's all nice. But the two attack and the strength four, it's, it's not really a big hitter just yet. But here are our options, firstly. An additional elven made sword. So an additional elven made sword. So you can have two swords, and it's 30 points for the extra sword, so you know it's going to be good. When equipped with an additional elven made sword, Thranduil, the king of the Mirkwood Realm, increases his attacks to three and his fight value to seven. Additionally, he gains the Blade Lord special rule. So straight away, when he's equipped with this sword, he gets three attacks. Nice. Five value seven. Amazing. That's 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 the one for me. I like this option. And then Blade Lord is huge. So the Blade Lord, an active special rule, while well, he has the infantry keyword. So just when he's on foot, he gets an extra attack. So he's already increased his attacks to three and then an extra attack. So he's, he's running at four attacks on foot. Furthermore, uh, Thranduil receives an extra attack for each enemy model that he's engaged with after the first. So if he's in with two models, he's getting five attacks. And that's usually the key point. Like, usually you, you charge into two and no one else wants to run into him because you don't want six, seven attack Thranduil. That's nasty. And this bonus is determined at the start of each fight and lasts until all strikes from that fight have been resolved. So it does change depending on heroic combats. So you might get, I don't know, a Wildman of Dunland might charge him and hold him up, and then he might call a heroic combat, win the combat, and then charge into two models and kick up his attacks for that second combat. So that that is huge for 30 points. It, it's a huge investment. 30 points is his most expensive upgrade, but it is so, so, so good to go up to fight seven. That's a magic number. That's really nice. It's an Elven-made sword as well. He's already got an Elven-made sword. It's not a hand and a half sword, which is interesting, but that's okay. He's using two of them, so that's fine with me. Uh, it doesn't have the strength bonus, but so many attacks if you want. And you think sometimes people look at this and go, well, he gets a bonus just for the infantry keyword. I'm never going to buy him a steed. But I would argue against that, and I'll do that a bit later on. Because his next upgrade, Kyle, his next one is just as exciting. Uh, Circlet of Kings for 25 points. He gets this little beautiful tiara. It's an active ancient heirloom. The crown allows Thranduil to cast magic powers Aura of Dismay, which is a good magic power, and Nature's Wrath, which is a good magic power, once each per game. Very nice. Once each per game, the spell is automatically cast, counting the result as a six, and no will points need to be expended. That itself is fantastic. So you've got a Nature's Wrath on a six, which is, which is great. Now, it says the spell is automatically cast. I assume you can uh, buff it up with some points in might if you wanted to. Uh, no, you can't because you don't have that heroic action. So that's no good. So you can't make it bigger. But Nature's Wrath on a 6, very hard to resist. But the one I love, Aura of Dismay, Kylie, causing terror with that 6-inch bubble is so fun. Yeah, it is one of the more oppressive uh, like special rules in his kit. Now... Back in the day when he he first got this crown, everyone was like, holy cow, why would you give it to? But at least now it is kind of, uh, I'm not going to say like underpowered, but you do have to pay for it now. Which I actually really like. You, there is there is some balance because you, once you slap it onto a hundred point profile, add in the extra twenty five points for for the crown as well. It actually it, it's behind a paywall now. You do have to fork out a little bit of dough to be able to use these abilities, but they are really good abilities and can really change the flow of your name. Giving terror to your elves is just absolutely insane. If anyone has played skirmish, uh, run away, disengaging elves, they know just how good. Uh, terror on top of those those kind of tactics and strategies can be and as we all know nature's wrath is absolutely insane and even being able to cast that once per game on a six no less can be totally game changer whether it is mm. just to, to pull out some might and uh, will off your opponent's resources 
or to go for that really strategic knockdown in that very specific area to, you know, maybe get rid of some cav or, or knock down the front rank of, a, of an enemy shield wall. Mm. Now, you don't have to use will for it, but you've got to make sure you hold on to that will for that aura dismay to keep going as well, because that's the exhaustion one. But the... The Nature's Wrath on a six, that's just so good. So sometimes, Kylie, with this one, I'll just go straight into the heroes and just hope to take off some will and knock them down. Sometimes I use it just to knock down some cavalry. It's a really, really nice offensive and defensive ability. And having him with a circle, it just makes your army purr. It's so good. So I at so far, that's 30 points for the sword, 25 for the circlet, and they're almost close to auto-takes for me so far. So I'm already spending big money on this guy, and that's okay. I'm happy to pay to win. The next option, this one's a little bit controversial. Some people like it, some people don't. You'll find out which way I go very soon. It's the elk. So for 20 points, you get an elk, which the, the model looks brilliant. So that's probably enough reason to take it. The elk is, looks amazing. That model from Forgeord is spectacular. But the elk has a movement of 10, just like a horse. It has a fight value that's irrelevant. has a strength value of 4, which is irrelevant because the rider, you can use his strength. has a defense of 5, which is pretty handy for a, for a mount. It has no attacks, of course. It has two wounds. That's very, very nice. It means cheap shots are not going to get rid of him easily. And a Courage of Four, not relevant. But if he charges into combat whilst riding the Elk, and he will, he likes to do that, Thranduil Strikes are resolved at Strength 5. And I find this Strength 5 actually really, really nice for taking down that pesky Defense 7. So I have no problem charging to a wall of, say, Kazakh Guard with Thranduil on an Elk. When he's on foot, sometimes he has trouble chopping through them. But on the Elk, no problem at all. Double Strike, Strength 5, wounding pretty well. That's all nice and good. So it does increase his damage output. It's a very survivable mount, but it's an expensive mount. And so that that's an option. But you also have the option for a horse. If you want to be a cheapo, just go for a normal horse if you want for 10 points. That's fine. I won't judge you too much, but you're a wuss if you don't take the elk. And finally, you've just got two very simple options, Kylie. We've got the heavy armor for 10 points, so plus two defense. Very, very tasty. And then an elf bow as well. I... You've got a two-pass shoot value. It's a single shot. It's not anything that special. Uh, this one, you can definitely take it if you've got some points. I tend not to just because it's not on the model, and I tend to move Thranduil around quite a bit. But if you're playing a certain kind of army, it's it's definitely a go-to. And if you're playing on foot, it's probably very, very, very useful. Special rules, finally, Kylie. We've got Expert Rider, Fleetfoot, and Woodland Creature, as you'd expect from elves. So the Expert Rider and Fleetfoot help us jump around the forests and, and jump tests and all that sort of fun stuff. And the woodland creature is nice as well. So when we're on foot, we can jump through the trees. Uh, I'll let you talk, Kylie. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot to take in when you first look at Thrandall. He has a lot of options, a lot of ways you can play him, and some legitimate choices. Because when you kind of go the full kitchen sink and, you know, throw him down on the, pa- on the table with, with the sword, with the circlet, with the elk, with heavy armor and a bow... You're looking, you're looking nearly 200 points uh, to, to field all those options. So you really do have to make some pretty uh, pretty key decisions about what you do want to take with Thrandall. I actually think that there are times and choices where you don't take everything, uh, especially um, when you're running, say, uh, the uh, more Merkley, uh rangery type of list where you're more skirmishing around. You know, maybe not taking the sword is a good option. You probably don't need the heavy armor because you're playing much more avoidance. Uh, but at the same time, when you're playing those full engage, using him as a missile, maybe you have some allied troops and another mo- hero of legend in the army, 
hey, maybe you don't need to take this the, the Circle of the Kings in because you've already got spell casting. Maybe you just need the the heavy armor and the sword. And even the mounts, especially once you've taken into consideration the Blade Lord special and the extra sword, it it's not always an auto include for the steed. Yeah, interesting you say that. I, I initially thought that as well, but the more I play it, the more it's it's he becomes a kitchen sink machine. So I, I usually run him at the 185 points with everything except the bow, just because that's what the the, uh, the forger model is like. Honestly, if it had a bow in the model, I'd be dropping that five points on it as well, and, and I just don't have the heart to convert up that model. So maybe maybe my horse one will be an archer. That could be really cool to have that flying around. But he does he does have some options, and you can tailor him, and there are times when you might want to go a cheaper version at it. Now, Kylie, I think the uh, other argument for souping him up is that the army special rule is based around him. So I'll just quickly read through that one as well. And I've got mixed feelings about this, mostly positive though. So uh, the army bonus is the Merkwood Rangers in this force do not count towards the army's bow limit. So that that's all good. So the Merkwood Rangers don't, don't up your bow limit. Uh, additionally, whilst they are within three inches of Thranduil, all Palace Guard Captains, Merkwood Elf Captains, Palace Guard, Merkwood Cavalry, and Merkwood Elves, so anything that's wearing armor, will also gain one plus to their rune rolls when making strikes. That is insane. It's only a three-inch bubble, but a three-inch bubble for elves to get plus one to wound. So we're looking at basically... Uh, well, no, it's not basically burly elves because you could also go two-handed as well and get two plus to wound. You're looking at very, very offensive elves around Thranduil and... That one, I, I, I my mix, mixed minds about this is that I don't necessarily like army bonuses that force you to take a character, but I also love Thranduil, and I love this rule. But I, I would I would guess I would prefer it to be um, something different where it was based on the leader, but you can't argue that army bonus, Kylie. What do you think about that one? I mean, it's it's up there in terms of that. I think I think I have, I put it in my top three army bonuses um, when we were talking the back about uh, a few episodes ago, but yeah, this this army bonus is insane. Plus one to wound, just having that massive steroid buff across your 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 main fighting force essentially, because that's where your Merkwood elves and your um, palace guard are going to be. They're going to be bunkered up next to to, to um, Thrandall. And if you look at it as a way of of, of say making your elves strength five, because that's effectively what the the plus one to wound are. Does mm. do hell actually plus one to wound makes it better than strength five, but I digress. If you think of it in that respect, it makes elves incredibly potent. And when you're running a hero um, like Thrandall, most of the fighting is going to be done around him anyway. So having this this buff and and playing your army around this buff can be very 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 potent. And there's a few times, Jeremy, where I have been completely caught off guard by it, particularly by you, and uh, we've had a couple <laughs> of games against your uh, um, uh, your elves and, and stuff, and it has absolutely tore tore shield walls to shred. It tore my Minas Tirith uh, shield walls to shred. It's, I've seen that you know absolutely crack through what would normally be considered as the hard, hardest shield wall to crack in the um, Iron Guard, and it can tear that. Um, to shred still so you have to be very careful um, when you're playing against this because trying to force Santa Thrandall to be somewhere where he might not quite want to be or, or get him even just near to rain just to make that sh- that three inch bubble harder to get overlapping with these troops can be what you know allows you to be able to beat the elves back and, and possibly get a win against him because this rule really is that oppressive so Kylie next one 
the the best friend of Thrandall is of course the Palace Guard captain. Can you take us through this uh, this guy or girl? Yeah, the Palace Guard captains they're pretty damn good for for what you pay for. So to dive straight in, we have a seventy five point model. You get the Elf, Merkwood, Infantry, and Hero keywords, and they are a hero of fortitude as you would expect. They have a move value of six, fight value six and a shoot value of 3+. plus. Their strength 4, defense 7, with 2 attacks, 2 wounds, and a courage of 6. They have 2 might, 1 will, 1 face, as is the case for pretty much every captain in Middle-earth. And for war gear, they have heavy armor, an elven made hand and a half sword. For heroic actions, they have heroic march. And for options, you can take a shield for 5 points, which, to be honest, Jeremy, pretty much all the time you're pretty much going to take, because we've talked about it at length. Uh, shields are really are that good. Uh, for special rules, we have the Bodyguard special rule, which is absolutely amazing. It's probably the key defining feature of the Palace Guard, uh, Woodling Keacher, and King's Guard. The King's Guard special rule, uh, whilst they are within three inches of Thranduil, King of the Woodland Realm, this model receives a plus one bonus to their fight value. Oh my god, that is amazing. Be able to bump a captain up to fight seven? Are you for real? That is insane. That is ludicrous. <laughs> I was I was going to take that one, Kylie, because that's exactly what my color commentary was going to be, is that like I actually think these guys are the best infantry captains, and that they might be even the best captains full stop. I have to have a think about that statement, but I think they are the best infantry captains in the whole game. Having access to up to fight seven, yes, you have to put a Thranduil next to him, but why wouldn't you? Because you're getting one plus to wound as well. So you're going with strength four. You're getting one plus to wound next to Thranduil and one plus to fight value. So you're at fight seven with an effective strength of six. That's particularly nasty. You've got Heroic March, which ties together perfectly for that. You've got a little tiny base, so you can jump into Thranduil's Heroic Combats if you want. You can put a shield on, and now with the shield ability to use hand two-handed weapons, that's fantastic. So if you want to use your hand and half sword as a two-handed sword, chuck your shield on your back, go two-handed. This is a great model to do it with. It'd be effectively strength eight. And then just go nuts and just kill, kill, kill. It does so well. It means even things like uh, Balrogs and Sauron aren't out of the realms of this guy chopping them up because he is just hit so, so hard. And having Bodyguard as well is just such a nice insurance value that you know that this guy, oh, there's a Terror Causer to charge. Is there? I'm in. I don't care. And then that's so, so handy for that really tanky front wall, like a wall of half trolls. This guy loves it. He just goes in and, and he will happily duel out half trolls all day long. I, I particularly, honestly, I would like to see a little bit more of the King's Guard special kind of stuff on other bodyguard troops because I feel that a lot of the time when we play bodyguard troops, they're mostly used as objective grabbers and playing wide on the frank because you don't have to worry about their courage. But when you when you give them a special rule that incentivizes them to be next to the hero that they're designated to protect, in this case Thranduil, they actually start to shine into a whole new realm of like into a whole new light because. The combination of Bodyguard plus Kingsguard and, and the fact that he goes up to that fight seven means that they are extremely good interceptors for other big scary stuff that can go in into Thranduil. You have an enemy dragon that comes in and transfixes Thranduil. Well, you've got a Palace Guard captain that can run in and and force the dragon to still spend spend some might and actions. You, you have another Elven Lord that's coming in to mess up your day, while the Palace Guard Captain can intercept that other Elven Lord and and possibly, you know, 
duel them out. Even models like Bolg and Azog are going to struggle against these Power Sky Captains because they can get to Fight 7, and being able to use that to intercept other Fight 6 heroes as well can make their life incredibly difficult, and when you add in shielding too, these guys can just last forever against those those really big key threats that hover around that Fight 6, Fight 7 mark because of the combination of, of their abilities. And their defense is at a point as well where you can rely on them to tank for a little bit as well. So they're at, they're at that like Captain of Gondor tanky level, just a little bit, almost slightly under that one. But they can play that role, so they can just play yeah peel for for Thranduil, or they can just go and be your hitter and just go power up and and say I'm going to go two hands and I'm going to um, I'll fight normally if I need to use my fight seven. If I'm well ahead on fight, I might just uh, faint as well, and and quite often you do that because you get such high fight value. You often got the faint with no repercussions. So you're going against normal troops. You're fainting. You go hand and a half if you want. You go normal hand if you want. Doesn't really matter. And and you just go nuts with this guy. So he is he is so good. And 75 points, five points for the shield. It's really bargain price in terms of elves. Yeah. I am a little bit surprised he doesn't cost slightly more. I could see him costing that that 80, 85 mark and, and still being a really, really tasty option. Yeah, I, I agree with that one too, Jeremy. I'm surprised he doesn't have an extra 5 or 10 point tax on him over what you would expect. Um, and mm. Like just to just to just to get into a bit of story time too, I think one of the best uses for a palace guard captain I think I have ever seen was against um, uh, an Aragorn the king, and basically the palace guard captain went in the Aragorn, forced Aragorn to spend all of their might to not lose their horse, not die, and take wounds. The palace guard captain held up Aragorn. Now this is Aragorn, two hundred and seventy-five point Aragorn for five turns. When he finally went down. Thranduil had killed enough of the army that he could then consolidate in Aragorn and then basically go for the strike off and chop his head off because, you know, when a big hero like Aragorn doesn't have any might for the, for the dual role and doesn't have many other combat tricks and has spent so much of their resources just to get rid of a single 75-point captain and not killing anything else, man, that, that, is, that is a big turnaround of, of, of investment there. And the nice thing about it is he's not a named hero. So if you're in a big game, you can actually just take two of this guy and, and they come in packs of two, Kylie. It's tempting, isn't it? Mm, one on each side of Thranduil. That is a very, very tip of the spear kind of uh, composition there. Yeah, absolutely. If you wanted to go all hero elves, well, you couldn't go too far wrong with that. Okay, so they have some friends with them, Kylie. And these guys, I actually, um, I saw some criticisms online and I do not, get it i do not get it at all so we've got the palace guards for 12 points okay that's expensive but that's okay we'll get to we'll get to why elf Merkwood infantry warrior as you would expect movement of six five to five base and a three plus shoot value which you won't use a uh, defense of five which is nice and tanky uh attacks one wounds one and courage five that's all pretty standard there's nothing special there they come with heavy armor which is in their profile and they come with a hand and a half sword uh, which is elven mage so that's very very nice as well and they've got some options here that you probably want to consider. They've got a Warhorn for 30 points. Now, I never consider that, but it's an option. They've got a Banner for 25. I always consider that. That's a great option. They've got a Shield for one point. Oh, yeah, please. Every single model. Yes. And they've got a Spear for one point. Also an excellent option. So these guys, the vast majority of them, I run with with a Spear and Shield, and I'll throw a Banner on one of them, because these are the kind of guys that if you're spending 12 points or a Basic Warrior, 
spend the extra points to get the war gear if you can, if you can do the conversions. Now, the special rules are what makes them shine, Kylie. They have bodyguard, they have woodland creature. Bodyguard, fantastic. So these guys are not afraid of anything. And then they've got the king's guard as well, just like the palace guard captain. One plus fight value. So you have fight six infantry. They could be spear supporting. They could be... Because it's just whilst within three inches, they get a bonus to their fight, though. It's not while they're in combat or anything like that or why they're fighting. It's just just a bubble bonus. So they, they could be spear supporting some other guys going to fight six. You can move them around like you would have, say, the um the, uh, the pikemen from the Galadrum list. And fight six is such a such a nice number for, for an infantry model because you can have captains that are forced to strike against just your plain cheapo infantry. And if you're going elves versus elves, you've got elven blades, so that's going to be a 50-50, but you can kick it up with fight six and really power them off. So I love these guys, Kylie. Uh, what do you think of them? I think these guys are absolutely amazing. They're insane. They're, they're on the same level as the Palace Guard t- Captain. Like, okay, yeah, they're, they're not 5-7 or whatever, but but it's like it's one of those things of like, yeah, the Captain's always going to be better than the troops. But these guys, these guys have won me so many games. It's 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 ridiculous how good they are. Like, even just a, just the standard box of, I think it's, uh, they come in a box of uh, 10. It's just, insane yep like they're just mm. ridiculous like i have had that box turn whole games around you know convert one into a banner you know put the shields on all of them and get a couple of uh a handful of spears in there as well and they, they will tear things apart and because they're pretty much always going to be fighting around thrandall or, or just be straight up in thrandall's warband you will you're always going to get the, the power and the feel from them and you'll always notice when they're actually going in doing damage and and changing changing the game like pretty much everything we talked about the palace guard captain these guys can do as well like fight six enemy heroes are are scared of them they don't like going into them you know the fact that they can also get a banner on a bodyguard model is absolutely crazy like i remember when these guys first came out and i I saw the bodyguard special i'm like bodyguard on elves like what what why bother but after playing a few games (laughs) with the bodyguard on the elves you, you realize Oh, this is this is really really good. This is really really handy, particularly like late game or when your opponent's running harbinger. You like you don't think it's going to be that impactful when you already have high courage, but when you don't have to take courage tests with elves at the critical opportunities, it it's it, it is a game changer, particularly with that plus one to wound. And like I, I've seen these guys like take off, you know, Nazgul with no problem, you know, drop trolls without batting a, an eyelid, and yeah, they, they they really are that good and. I'm shocked that they get criticism because even though they're expensive at that 12, 13, 14 point mark, the return on investment you get for them is is through the roof. Like they will easily, happily chew up and take down, you know, two two enemy models, three enemy models each, um, just just by fighting in a, a horseshoe for, formation next to Thrandall. Like I, I've never seen them not not give their points back. And I, I do like that that number that comes in the box. That 10 is really good. I don't like the war gear that comes in the box. You get, I think it's four with shield and the sword and then six without anything. Get your press mold out, mold up your shield, and away you go. Because uh, 
it, just to, to save one point to not give the Spearman shields is it feels like a crime at times. I think uh, I, I would take them with shields no matter what my armulus design was, but they are they are really good. Now we move on, Kylie. The next one here is the Merkwood Captain. So we're moving on to our our standard Merkwood troops. So these are these are our bread and butter troops, our just standard elf warriors, and they don't have a huge amount of difference to just normal standard elves. So a Merkwood Captain, seventy five points same points as the Palace Guard Captain, interestingly enough, uh, is just everything you expect. Alf, Merkwood, Infantry, Hero of Fortitude, got the fight value of 6 and the 3 plus shoot value, which you won't use. Got a strength of 4, defense of 6, 2 attacks, 2 wounds, courage 6, yep, 2-1-1, might will fate. And it's got the, the march, woodland creature, yeah, that's all fine. Heavy armor, so yeah, that's in the profile. Elven Maid Glaive. Now, this is an interesting weapon. So the Elven Maid Glaive can be used as either a spear or a hand-and-a-half sword. Okay, so you've got lots of options there. Alternatively, it can use the shielding rule, which is, that's really good. That's all fine. So th this weapon, all fine. And on a captain, you've got some options there. I don't mind that. Uh, it's gone down in value in that one of the advantages of it used to be that you could use it two-handed, but now all the elf swords are the hand-and-a-half ones, pretty much. So it's not as interesting as it used to be. It's not as special as it used to be, but it's a nice weapon. The big thing missing from this guy's profile, though, Kylie, is no mount, no horse. He can't have a horse, and I feel like if you're paying exactly the same points as a palace guard captain, you're just getting straight out less. Yeah, like as good as the 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 glaive is, it's it's not the same as bodyguard and king's guard and defense seven. Like it just it, it doesn't it just doesn't get there. And particularly because there's Merkle cavalry too, I, I'm almost disappointed that there's not an option to take a horse and maybe maybe even just trade. You may take a horse for ten points and trades their glaive for a sword in a sword or something like that even if they don't get option to the shield it would still be worth it in my opinion because mounted heroes as we all know are absolutely your bread and butter troop uh sorry bread and butter for getting around the table and the fact that the only effectively will mean that you only have two mounted heroes in the list none of which have march is actually a bit of a detriment to the the mirkwood uh army list yeah, look, there's there's actually nothing wrong with this guy in terms of once you put him on the table, you've paid, uh, you've probably paid a little bit more compared to the Palace Guard captain, but he will perform for you on the table. Like he, he's good. He's got a high fight value for a captain. He's happy to play his role as the the run forward guy. He's got some options. You can put him behind models if you want. If you if you can't get him to combat, you can move around. He's fine, but he's just nothing special. And and I feel like. That, that horse would just set him apart so much. And I don't mind if they even make it like a 15-point horse or if it's a, yeah, 10-point swap your glade or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a I think, a missed opportunity. Now, some people would argue to me that that makes the elves too powerful, but I don't know that it does. I think just because um, you probably, if you're going next to Thranduil, you're taking up a fair bit of his three-inch range with a cavalry model. So that's probably going to be a slight detriment potentially. But it does give you a lot more options for movement, and it means that Thranduil can just hang out with the infantry in the middle. So missed opportunity there. But he also leads the Palace Guard, uh, the Merkwood Elves. Sorry. So Kylie, take us through the Merkwood Elves. So the Merkwood Elves are, are pretty bog standard. What you would expect from an an armored baseline front to back kind of elf. They come in at nine points. You get the Elf, Merkwood, Infantry, and Warrior keyword. They're movement six with a fight value of five and a shoot value of three plus. Strength three, defense five, one attack, one wound, courage five. So, so pretty standard there. For war gear, they have heavy armor and an elven made hand and a half sword. 
Uh, and for options, this is where it gets a, a little bit interesting. You have a banner for 25 points, an elven bow for 2 points, an elven made glaive for 2 points, very good there, a shield and a shield for 1 point. Uh, for special rules that they have, woodland creature as all elves do. So the options is what sets them apart. It can be tricky at times to choose whether you want that extra shield for that one point to get them up to defense six. You're pretty much always going to take a third of your army with bows if you can, possibly even more with the Merkwood Rangers army and the army bonus. But I think the Glaive is why you want these guys um, on mass. Um, I think Maddie once wrote a list that was basically just all Elven Glaives, and you can do some fun stuff, particularly with the fact that the Elven Glaive is a Elven-made spear. So you can do some really funky shenanigans, uh, either with allying them into other lists, or putting the Elven Blade uh, as a spear support behind other troops. Yeah, they've got the... that You know that shield wall thing where we set up and we just have a spear shield guy? These guys do it at a reasonable price. So the, the Glaives are okay in that one. The problem I have with the Glaives now is they're still two points, and you've already got the hand and a half sword baked in, which is gives you two of the options already. So for the glaive, you're getting the shielding rule, which you would get with the shield, and you'd get plus one defense. So really what you, you're just getting is the spear rule, and it feels expensive for a, a spear option over the shield guy. So I actually really like the shield guys. I find these as a good way of just, you know when you need some plebs just to throw forward and expect to die? These are these are, these are your cheapest models, and they love to just get in the way and save palace guards. So if you've got the palace guard with a spear, these guys jump in front with a shield and just say, I'll save you and, and go and take on something. And if the palace guard needs to go somewhere else, they put up the shield and shield. The the glaives, I do take some glaives often as just a utility troop because they can do anything you want them to do. So that's nice. The bowmen are good. Like, so it's it's a, I don't want to say cheap, but it's an affordable bowman. So only 11 points with the bow is a pretty good way of getting enough bows to run a force. They fight very, very well near Thrandall because they've got the one plus to wound. And they're, they're just good all-round warriors, but they're sometimes over shy. Um, there's so many good options in this list that you might not pay much attention to them. But they're also a good way of getting another banner in if you need a banner, a good banner caddy. They're, there's some good options here. They've got the woodland creature. They perform well. And if you want to build up your numbers, these are the guys you need because you need they're the cheapest in the list. And if you want to go a pure list and build up the numbers, go for it. I think they are the, the nicest-looking models in the, the list, the nicest-looking infantry. Uh, they were a pain to put together because they're the, that resin where there's uh, some imperfections. But I really 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 love the look of them so i do i do take these guys quite a bit but i like they i'm not going to glow as much about them compared to the palace guard but they do make your army work because they are quite affordable and they also have this next profile which is pretty similar to them the Merkwood cavalry this one is my favorite kylie i love this one for 16 points 16 points only 16 you get what we talked about the Merkwood elf exact thing you get expert rider you get a horse so that, that's that's great. And your options are a banner and a shield. Yes, please. Yes, please to either. That's fine. I would pretty much always put shields on these because, once again, uh, they for one point, you might as well. You might as well put the shield on because defense six horsemen are actually pretty hard to take out. And you've got a fantastic special rule, which is the King's Knights. So whilst mounted, the Merkle Cavalry models count as being in the range of a banner if they were within six inches of Thrandall. That's huge. That means that these guys can be like outriding scouts and can have that, that really effective uh, reroll, which is great. Or you can just go off with Thrandall and these cavalry models, have the banner effect, but also have them getting one plus to wound if they're nearby and doing a, just a thunderous charge, almost like they've got lances. I love these models. They are, they are not cheap. 
but also I don't think they're particularly expensive. I think they're, the, they're almost the bargain Rivendell Knight type profile. Yeah, I don't mind them. They're pretty good, and like the the six inch banner range uh, when they're with when they're near Thranduil is is not to be sniffed at because you can do some funky things where you can get some really cool hammer and anvil type strategies or. Um, envelopments with the cavalry. If you can get them in behind, you can you can basically charge your opponent's rear, get into their back flank, and probably still be in range of Thrandall if he's he's in the center of say your palace guard block fighting front to back. So that that six inch range, and particularly on Thrandall's huge huge elk face, can be actually really really handy in, in tight spots and allows you to play a slightly wider front with cavalry than you otherwise would. Because like getting banners on cavalry models can be can be difficult just because of how big their bases are uh, but when you have a six inch banner that becomes uh, almost trivial yeah i find that sometimes i use them in this almost shepherd role kylie where i get them and they, they're trying to intimidate the enemy into jumping into terrain and my palace guard infantry and my Merkwood elf infantry love fighting in terrain because it's dense and they can get down and dirty and they can use it to reduce the amount of models but the threat of these guys is often enough to, to get people where you want them and you're right that big move where you go right around the flanks to the back of the army and then your plan is to meet up with randall on the other side works really well and it's worth the time it takes to, to ride around so i definitely think these guys are worth it. The biggest downside is they are pretty expensive to buy. I think they come in packs of two, and they're they're mm. they're grossly expensive. And I've got, I was unlucky or lucky enough to when they first came out, they kept sending me them. I I did the order. I ordered my three packs because that's how much I wanted. That's how much my budget allowed for, and and I felt really guilty about spending that much money on them. And I got three packs, and I only got two legs per horse. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but horses normally have four legs. <laughs> so of course I had to take photos, and I sent it to Games Workshop and. And I know that Games Workshop customer service is perfect. It's just the people packing have no clue. So I sent them that and they said, yeah, sure, that's no problem. How embarrassing. We'll send you three replacements. So I got my three replacements. Opened them up, two legs per horse. What's going on here? So I took them the photos again. And they must be thinking I was dodgy at this point, but I definitely wasn't. I thought they would count it. And this time I got on the phone and asked them, hey, can you just open up the packets and count them? So I got three open packets for the next time with the full set of legs. So I ended up with, I don't know, 18 of them. I don't know if I've still got 18. I haven't painted that many of them, but I've been madly like green stuffing, press molding new legs to try and replace it. Um, I couldn't do that initially because I didn't have the legs, but I've ended up with quite a few more than, than I initially needed. So that was that was a very nice one. And um, I guess the the incompetence of the Packers is, is my gain there, but what a pain to be ordering that and then uh, not getting the right pieces that you want. <laughs> Yeah, that can uh, that's a that's a bit of a oof uh, moment for the pick packers uh, there, or maybe it was a manufacturing fault uh, coming in with the with the molds or something. Maybe it didn't go through. I don't know. I can only speculate. But either way, if you have that many Merkwood Cav, Jeremy, I would love to see you run all of the. All of them on the table at some point in the future. A full mounted uh, Merkwood uh, cavalry army with Thranduil and Legolas could be interesting to watch play out on the table. I'll definitely do it sometime, Kyle. It's going to take me a while because they take me a long time to paint and I just take my time painting them because I don't want to rush these guys. I don't want to just factory line them, but I definitely will. I'll slowly build it up and I'll make the missing legs and if I have to destroy some Rohan doing it, so be it. I'll I'll do that. That's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. 
So Kylie, we're gonna, let's gonna get some interesting heroes here and some some quite popular heroes. We're going to the Rangers section now of the list. Can you just take us through with the Prince of Mirkwood himself? Yes, Legolas Greenleaf, Prince of Mirkwood. He's full title. Comes in at ninety five points, which is a little bit more expensive. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Than the uh, standard Fellowship version, but nonetheless, we still get the Elf Mirkwood Infantry and Hero keywords, and he is a hero of valor. Uh, for for his stats, he has a movement of six. Fight value of 6 with a shoot value of 3+. plus. Always very good to have a 3-plus shooter in Legolas with his amazing special rule. He has a strength of 4, defense of 5. So he comes with built-in armor in this list. Uh, 2 attacks, 2 wounds, and courage of 6. For stats, he has 3 might, will, 2 will, and 3 fate. And for war gear, as I said, armor, elf bow, and elven made daggers. For heroic actions, he has heroic accuracy and heroic strike. Uh, heroic accuracy, not so great. Heroic strike. Always bread and butter special uh, heroic action at this point. For options, he does have three options, which are pretty, pretty, you know, pretty good uh, and can be used in combination in different ways. He has an elven cloak for 10 points, a horse for 10 points, an orcarist uh, for 10 points. So as we know from uh, Thorin's army list, it's an elven made sword that can be used as a two-handed weapon and causes terror in Orcs, Goblins, and Urukai, as well as giving him, uh, effectively, uh, the Bane special rule. It's not quite the Bane special rule, I think, uh, but it basically comes out as being the Bane special rule. For special rules, he has the Woodland Creature, as all elves do, and Deadly Shot, his bread and butter. It's his hallmark special rule. Legolas may fire his bow three times in the shoot phase rather than once. Each of these shots may be used against a different target. Alternatively, Legolas may choose to fire one shot, but in this case he will always hit on the roll of a two pass, regardless of in the way tests, if the target is engaged in combat, or any other factors including modifiers and magical powers and so forth. If Legolas uses his one shot to target a cavalry model, he may choose whether he hits the rider or the mount. This special rule is everything about Legolas. This is why you take Legolas pretty much, I would say, 100% of the time. There is no other reason why you wouldn't want to take Legolas, and... To harken back to mm-hmm. many, many episodes, Jeremy, honestly, Legolas, I would argue, probably one of the best models in the game, if not the best. He's up there in terms of like how good he is as Gulliver. And as the listeners know, I absolutely adore Gulliver. Legolas is, is up there as a, a close second or third. Oh, I take this one for the horse in this list because he's the only hero that has the option... To, to ride around with Randwell and, and move that around. But you're right, that deadly shot is really good. Kylie, on your points value one, can I, uh, are you sitting down? I hope you are, because I'm going to shock you a little bit. So compared to the Fellowship version of it, and I'm just going to double-check that I have the latest books, and I certainly do, the Fellowship Legless is 100 points. Oh, is he? And the big, the big difference is, for 100 points, you don't get the armor. You have to pay for the armor. So Legless with armor in Fellowship is 105 points. The only difference here is that the Legless in the Fellowship, for 10 extra points basically, gets that final count special rule. So you're paying a premium for that that competition with Gimli rule. And you don't get Orcrist, of course. But that's that's pretty much the difference. So you don't have access to Orcrist. And you get the the forty two final count rule. So this this Legolas is a is a bargain. There's nothing else that I can see that's different. Same hero Vela, same stat line. I I can't find it. I, oh wow! I don't know if they've just copied and pasted badly or or what's happened there. But it, it feels really strange because to me, I don't think. 
that that final count, 42, is worth 10 points. Like, I could see it be worth a, a trivial amount, but it's not worth that much. And to have the option of Orcrest, Orcrest is a good weapon. So basically, you're essentially getting Orcrest for free if you want to go that way. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that changes... Well, it doesn't change anything. You still will be taking Legolas in, in <laughs> no. the list. Like, he's good no matter what points. I honestly... For, for the for the auto hit special, I'd be paying upwards at 140 points if if, if that's what it, it costed to take it. But yeah, that's really interesting that they would he would get taxed basically to. Oh, it's such a such a strange thing because even the Elven Cloak is cheaper for his other version, his Fellowship version, but is more expensive in his uh, Mirkwood version. That's 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 very that's very queer. Yeah, true. True, yeah, the album clocks at different prices. I can only imagine just writing it two different times, perhaps, and, and they didn't didn't double check the points cost, maybe. I'm not sure, because it's 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 very strange. I know this guy was a, a bit of a downgrade on the, the Megalus profile where we had the extra attack, so maybe they, they gave him a bargain because of that. But I yeah, he he is quite affordable. He's really good value in this list. It's a definitely a good place to take him and it's it's just an interesting read about that because yeah, when you said he's more expensive, I thought I have to check this. I don't think that's right. Hi, I po- apologize for that. I thought he was. I am what well, when you take all the options he is, but I'm I'm quietly shocked about that. In in a way I didn't think I would be. No. <laughs> yeah, it's funny like that, isn't it? Yeah, but well, anyway, it's a circle back to to Legolas and, and what he does in a game. Um pretty much everything. I remember um talking about him like many times before and honestly my opinions on him haven't changed he's he really is that good he's um, at low points he's a fantastic leader for your force being at two wounds three fate um he's good end game with the courage six and a couple of will points and the northern cloak he he constant and i think he constantly harasses your opponent with with the archery he's a good fighter at fight six with two attacks and three might as well as strike i mean there's, there's not a lot that Legolas can't do, and, and that's pretty much why he's been so influential in so many army lists for so long, is the fact that he influences every part of the game and will always have an influence in the game, whether it's, you know, picking off a, a VP or two with his 2 plus to hit auto hit on the leader every other turn, whether it's running in on horse and killing a bunch of dudes, or, or just keeping your army together. There isn't, there isn't a time where, like, I would be be passing up over Legolas. It's, it's 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 very hard to pass over this this particular model. I think the only thing is just start running out of points because once you take him and if you take Thranduil as well, you're starting to to get up there. He doesn't he doesn't get the Thranduil bonus, so he doesn't hit as hard as say a Palace Guard Captain, but he does everything else as well. So so he is a good 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 choice, and he's got a friend as well. So Tariel is another choice for this list, Kylie. Uh, Tariel, eighty five points, not too bad. I've got uh, all the stuff here. Fortitude, Elf, Merkwood, Infantry, Hero. So if Legolas is around, she's not leading. That's fair enough. Uh, good profile. Movement of 6, Fight of 6, 3+. plus, Strength 4, Defense 5, 3 attacks. Base, nice. 2 wounds, Courage 6, 3 might, 2 wounds, uh, 2 will, sorry, 3 fate. So you've already got extra attacks over Legolas, which is pretty nice. Um, armor, Elven Made Daggers and Elven Cloak. Elven Made Daggers, that's the... Uh, the re-roll, the, the, not the re-roll, the, um, the draws you get on three plus, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One plus so that's, to, that's the, okay. to the roll-offs. Yep. Yep. So that, that's, that's nice to have. They're not the hand and a half weapons, but they're just little daggers. Elven cloak baked into the profile is really nice. 
Uh, heroic Accuracy, you use it occasionally. Heroic Strike, very nice. Alf Bow Option, you pretty much will take this most of the time, I guess. Maybe you won't, but I, I tend to tend to like it. It's a nice way to, to get Tarot getting up some extra hits. A uh, Woodland Creature, Blade Mistress. So we've talked about something similar to this with uh, Thranduil. So Tarot receives an extra attack for each enemy model she's engaged with after the first. It's determined the start of each fight. Yep. So there's no upper limit to this one. So she just gets extra attacks, which means uh, your opponent wants her fighting one-on-one. You want her fighting two models or three models or however many models you can. She's also got Vengeful Fury, which doesn't come up a whole lot because it's tied into another profile, which is Killy the Dwarf, Champion of Erebor. If he's in the army and he's killed... So you have to sacrifice him. Well, you probably don't have to, but if he's killed, her strength goes up to five and her defense is reduced to six for the remainder of the battle. She doesn't have that crazy lust where she has to go chase it down. This is pretty minor in terms of things. Like getting one plus to the strength value, half the time it's okay. Defense to four. You're hoping not to lose combat with her. It's a pretty pretty small rule. It doesn't come up a whole lot. But what does come up a whole lot is her Blade Mistress. Kylie, my best story with Tariel is one time my Tariel at, at whatever it was, 85, 90 points I, I know. Took out. Yeah, I, I think I can predict exactly what story you're about to tell, Jeremy. Is this yep. is this a story where your Tariel beat another Tariel and her entire warband? One Tariel yes. greater <laughs> than another Tariel and 12 Mirkwood Rangers. No, it was only six Merkwood Rangers, but it was it was a significant amount of points. So I I single hand well not see, yeah single handedly maybe two hands because probably both hands were being used beat all those ones because I was always able to engage two models, and that was uh, such a big pain. So my Tarot ended up out dueling the other Tarot because I had had more attacks going. It was fantastic. So that that's a, <laughs> a bit silly, but that's that's. What it can what can do that can happen when when we're going through with with a tarot model. I actually quite like tarot as a lone drop. Uh, some I don't usually don't take it like this, but if there's any model in this army list that I want as just like a, an independent hero, you know the standard like I'll just drop it down as a single warband. I think tarot does this really really well because what you can do is camp her right in the front near the enemy lines, and if they go in hard at her, she gets more powered up, but she gets bigger and bigger. And if they ignore her, she can just dance around and do whatever she wants and just be a real distraction piece. So I like her as a bit of a lone scout, but also she, she does the job. She's basically a, a pretty good uh, like secondary striker, if you have it, and she does lots of things well. Her biggest weakness is the lowest strength, which you can't buff through Thranduil. So sometimes she has trouble killing things, especially when she gets to that defense seven area. She doesn't particularly like that. But other than that, she's, she's a pretty good hero. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think she's an absolutely great hero. I've had so much fun playing her in in so many games, particularly with the Mirkwood Rangers. And she's she's one of those heroes that's a really good pivot and fallback point too, and a, a good redundancy for the rest of your list. You know, maybe Thranduil's having an off day, or Legolas is having, uh, you know, a particularly bad round of shooting. She can usually patch up a lot of the holes that your, your army list might run into. And like you said, during as a pseudo-independent warband... Um, she can be very uh, effective too. A bit, a bit like Hasherin's in that res- respect. She's she's one of the few models that can fight and operate solo and still be impactful on the table because she has a ranged weapon, because she has so many uh, combat tricks and combat buffs that help her survive on her own. So whenever you're fighting against her, you always have to keep this in mind. So you can change, really change the way your opponent is playing against her. So you always have to think about, okay, how do I minimize her attacks? Where can I kind of hem her in and box her in a bit because with her tricks with her large stores and might 
she can be hard to whittle down. Just be careful of enemy uh, heroes on horse, because if there's one thing Tyrell doesn't like, it's an enemy hero on a horse that can strike, because if she loses a combat against an enemy hero with only defense 5 and 2 wounds, she can go down pretty damn quick. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does She does die, but once again, she's probably not your leader unless it's very small games. Uh, she's a good ally if you want to do the, the green alliance, so that she's a nice way of powering up that. She does some she does some good things for it, and uh, her friends, the Mirkwood Rangers, which we'll get to very soon, get to be a, you get to take twelve if you want no warband, which is which is a pretty good amount of firepower. So good character, another good choice, nice model, nice character. We don't have anything that bad to say against her. We don't hate that she's in the movies or anything like that. That's fine, all all good there. So Carly, the next one we've got the Ranger Captain, the the Tariel Junior. So let's uh, let's just jump straight into uh, uh, he or she's profile because they do come in a male and female variety. Uh, they are move six, uh, five value six with a shoot of three plus, strength four, defense four, two attacks, two wounds, and a courage of six. Uh, might two, will one, and one fate. For war gear, we have an elf bow, elven made daggers, and an elven cloak. All very good upgrades to have on these models. For heroic actions, just the heroic accuracy, no march. But the accuracy can be helpful in uh, clutch situations, particularly if you're running Merkwood Rangers on mass. Hurric actually accuracy does come in and becomes very useful. For special rules, they have the wooden creature, as all elves do, and knife fighters, which is basically the the vanilla toned down version of Blade Mistress and Blade Lord that Thrandall and uh, Tariel get. Uh, Merkwood Rangers receive an additional attack for each enemy model they are engaged in combat with after the first, up to a maximum of Three bonus attacks. This bonus is determined at the start of each fight and lasts until all strikes from that fight have been resolved. I really, really love these guys, particularly when you're running like almost a pure Mirkwood Ranger list. I frequently will run um, uh, Legolas, Tariel, and two Mirkwood Ranger captains. That the ability to be able to go, you know, Tariel and these t- two of these captains side by side into the front rank can absolutely make a mess of things. You can use them uh, a bit like how I use my Hasherans, Jeremy, as these this three-man hit squad that can basically do anything. They can, you know, run around and be annoying, harass with their bow from the side, and to, to kind of flush them out and kill them takes more models than you would otherwise normally want to send to deal with them because they have all these extra attacks coming out of nowhere from from these knife fighters and they can be really hard to dislodge and can be really good operatives on the table particularly around terrain features uh using that elven cloak and be able to minimize the amount of models that can charge them by hugging terrain features yeah, I actually think these guys are written just about perfect. Like, I think the the costing is enough that they're not an auto choice, but they're you, you never feel bad about paying that price for them. Like, seventy five points for a captain that can get lots and lots of extra attacks if if someone's silly enough to to throw all their models into it. That's pretty good. The fight value of six is just a nice level. It means that uh, yes, you don't have strike, but at fight six. Yeah, it's got its role. It does the role pretty well, and it's gonna it's gonna mince through troops pretty well. And then if they try and gang up on it, it's gonna cause lots of problems. They love operating in woods, so oftentimes when you get the the Merkwood Ranger army, the front line is these two of these and Tariel before you can get to the squishy Merkwood Rangers, and that's pretty hard to get through. It's surprisingly difficult to get through that unless you can do some use some magic or something else to to help you along the way. So. 
I think these are good characters. I absolutely love the the models of these. They're hard to tell difference from the plastic rangers because the plastic rangers are pretty good as well. But I also love that we've got a, a male and a female one as well. I think that's a really nice touch and and maybe a few other lists could, could deal with something like that. Owls are the perfect one to do that with. So I really, I like these ones. Uh, yes, you're right. You can definitely design armies around them. They make a little good alliance force if you want to take some with, with some of their friends as well, like a, a Tarrell and one of these and, and just allied in it's it's a it's a fun model fun model and of course it leads the rangers which i'll go through now the merkwood rangers these ones are, are are expensive and very fragile so you have to use them well so if merkwood rangers are 14 points each that's a big cost they have a fight value of five with a three plus strength three defense three Ooh. one attack one wound courage five that's fine elf bow good Elven made daggers Elven made daggers now that's that's excellent i think initially they used to be just daggers so they didn't get that that bonus for it so that's nice and elven cloak standard elven cloaks are pretty nice if you play with terrain so if you're on the eastern side of australia you're all good uh in the options you've got a warhorn which uh, no maybe if it, maybe if you have allies maybe maybe if you just elves probably big, not big, 30 points is big, big money. points levels like say thousand uh, dropping in yeah. a 30 point warhorn particularly if you're just running the rangers could be worth it because plus one courage yeah. when you have 40 models yeah, that's true. Yeah, you you pay that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. I don't. It's not my go-to. I actually converted one up, but I don't haven't used it really. Uh, Woodland creature and the knife fighters, the same one that the captains have. So up to three, you have to be able to use that knife fighters rule to make these guys worth it. Because fourteen points. Uh, the nice thing about them is if you use the army bonus, which you will. They, they don't count towards your bow limit. So you can get a lot of elf bows for a very high price with very, very low defense. So people will walk through them if you, they get a chance. But when we go through the 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 uh, keep it secret, keep it safe, we'll go through how you use these guys because they are very, very effective when used well, but incredibly ineffective when used badly. Yes, incredibly good, particularly because of their point sink makes them like that. They're, they're, one of, they're one of the few models in the... I wouldn't say few, but they're one of those models in the game where you really have to take the time to learn how to master them and really understand their their mechanics and how they're supposed to be played because you pay such a premium to put them on the table. 14 points, that's as much as a palace guard with shield and spear, so you really need to learn how to get the most out of them. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, you can take as much as you like of them, but if you don't have a plan for them, you probably won't take them. If you're not particularly good at them and you just need some archer troops, the uh, the Merkwood Elves are probably the way to go. But I do like the armies that are designed around these guys, and we're going to have plenty of time later in this episode talking about them because I think they're really fun. And, Kylie, I'm going to let you take this last one because this is a nice, nice surprise in the Thrandall's Halls list. Oh, yes. I distinctly remember picking up the, the, uh, the, the new... Armies of the Hobbit book and going, I wonder what changes they've made to the profiles. And I'm like flicking through, flicking through, get to Thrandall's Halls. And like, yeah, this is about what I've expected. This is what I expected. Flip the page, see the Mirkwood Ranger, and then underneath them, the Wood Elf Sentinel. And went, what? Are you for real? You're giving Thrandall's Halls Mirkwood Sentinels. Are you insane? Turns out, they are. And this is why. So for 25 points, you get the Elf Lorian Mirkwood Infantry Warrior keyword. They have a move of 6, fight of 5, shoot of 3+. plus. They have strength 3, defense 3, 
two attacks, which is absolutely phenomenal. One wound and courage five. I'm not too worried about the one wound because for war gear, they have an elven maid sword, elven bow, and an elven cloak critically. So, so long as there's, you know, a rock, a tree, um, a piece of shrubbery, these guys are pretty much going to be untargetable because they're going to be hugging terrain features like their life depends on it because you're, uh, any smart player is going to go after these guys and try and knock them out because for special rules aside from the woodland creature they have enchanting song a sentinel may sing one song each turn provided they are not engaged in combat these function exactly like a magical power except that they are automatically cast without spending a will point and cannot be resisted so any point during the movement um you can basically sing a song which is really really handy they have three songs uh the hymn of elbereth at range 12. Uh, this beautiful wrong song rises the spirits of the targeted model the target friendly model will automatically pass all courage tests for the remainder of the turn Absolutely amazing, really good, very handy in a clutch scenario. The second song is the Lay of Gondolin. This very somber verse recalls the might, mighty elf city of Gondolin, a name fit to freeze the hearts of evil beings. If a sentinel sings this song, they cause terror until the end of the turn. Not as useful, but in a pinch when they're surrounded by lots of orcs and stuff, you don't really have any way of getting out, being able to throw uh, throw down terror until the end of the turn might save their life. And it has saved a couple of my sentinels on the odd occasion when I've been surrounded by goblins and orcs. But last, and certainly not least, their probably most impactful uh, song is the Eldemar Madrigal. Range 12, enemy, any target enemy model must immediately take a courage test. If the test is passed, nothing happens. If the test is failed, the target model falls under the control of the opposing player, who may then move it up to its maximum move, even if it is already moved that turn. This model, uh, this move cannot be used to uh, enter an enemy model's control zone, dismount, lay down, perform an action that would cause uh, harm, such as jumping off a cliff, or anything that would require the model to roll a d6, such as a jump or climb test. Effective models may move no further that turn. It is effectively a spooky test from our favorite model in the game, for favorite infantry model in the game, the Spectre. These are basically the good version of the Spectre. Being able to move your opponent's models is insane. These guys are insane. You've slapped them into a list that can use them probably better than any other list in the game. It's 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 insanity, Jeremy. It's it's absolutely insanity. Mm, and look, in this list, I'm so happy that they're in this list. I'm not even going to make fun of the models at all. Um, I use different models. I use some Thunderbolt Mountain models as my Sentinels, but it's so good to have these in this list. They really do power it up. My, I've got I've got two gripes here, Kyle, and these are, these are entirely new gripes. So uh, you've heard my elf rants before. New gripes. First gripe. You've got the, the bow limit for the rangers. I wish these guys didn't count towards the bow limit so you could legitimately run a couple with an all Merkwood Ranger Force. At the moment, you can run one with a Merkwood Ranger Force because they do count as the bow limit. So you either need to get some Merkwood Elves in there or some Cav or some Palace Guard or you have to just take a, a lone Sentinel. So that's my first gripe. Um, I would love it if they fit under the special rule for the army bonus. My second gripe, Kylie, is the Eldemar Madrigal, the variety of this thing, they've got this like infinite loop in the same rule. So you can move up to this maximum move, even if it has already moved that turn. Great. And then at the end, you've got, you may move no further this turn. So this rule, 
you have to. It automatically has to generate an FAQ because of that. Because I think it got ruled, didn't it, that you can't move afterwards. Yes. Um, if I can yes. remember correctly. It, it, was, but, it was one of those weird ones where the effect, effective models may not move further than that turn is directly relating to the... the uh, Special rule, so is exempt from the first part of the special rule that, that states that even if they've already moved that turn because it's referring to other special rules that allow you to move or the standard move of that model, even though they haven't specifically said that, it is uh, saying that it is implied with the last sentence. It, it's very confusing, Jeremy. Oh, that's a load of rubbish, Kylie. You are too kind. You are way too kind. It's nothing like that. It's, it's just... It's just poor writing. They knew what they were saying, perhaps, and then they've written it really bad, and then no one's picked it up in in the playtesting process. And maybe maybe they need to do some proofreading and fix this one. Well, they did fix it up, so that's fine. Um, I don't know, I'm not going to complain too much because they're in the list. But come on, just write something that makes more sense. Sometimes, no, I, I love the I love these models in the list. They they just they work so well. Being able to move your opponent's force towards what is often a bit of a death ball army. So this army plays in a few different ways. You got your death ball formation. Sentinels work so well with the death ball formation because you can just set your death ball going. So that's great. In the skirmish formation, this army loves to skirmish. Some of the lists are designed entirely for skirmish. Sentinels are great because you can break up the forces. You can move all kinds of models all over the place and stuff them up. So you've got options either way. If you're doing the the cav heavy list, which I guess you could, you can move them and, and set those guys up and, and protect your own models by making sure they're in combat and, and not getting shot at. Oh, you can do so much fun things with a Sentinel. The uh, the one spell, the Aldemar Magical, is the go-to. That's the one you absolutely love. The other ones are useful at times, but not not that much. Uh, the Lay of Gondolin, the one that makes you cause terror, uh, that can that can be pretty nice, especially for like um like if you put it on say a Merkled Cavalry and then send the Merkled Cavalry model off to do objective grabbing. It's only it's only really... for the Sentinel though. It doesn't. Um, make, oh, is yeah. it the Sentinel? It's only the Sentinel. Oh, no, yeah. damn. It's, it's one of those special rules of, like, you don't need it, but when you need it, you kind of really need it, and it's really handy. And, it, mm. it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a corner case scenario, yeah, but so when it's it, corner it? case, <laughs> it's very corner case. Like like I said, I've had a couple of... I've had two Sentinels basically back-to-back um, in front of a whole bunch of Orcs, yeah. uh, and they were surrounded. They couldn't get out. I dropped the Lay of Gondolin twice, one with each Sentinel, and my opponent went they have that special rule and i'm like yeah and we had to pull out a book showing me like oh damn well, I, I guess i have to take the tar- test so he took the test failed all of them um and the ones that could still move couldn't get in because the other guys had frozen in place the wood yeah. elves then yeah. shot knocked out a guy which then allowed the the two wood elves to the next turn move an elk out of the way and then get out of dodge and and basically mm. find an escape route when you know, two turns earlier, there wasn't one. So th- there are stuff you can do. Uh, same with the Hymn of Albareth, particularly in the Ranger yep. Force when you don't have Bodyguard uh, as frequent mm-hmm. as you would in the standard um, uh, standard composition with the uh, the Bodyguard around Thranduil. Um, these guys can be really handy because being able to auto-pass a Terror Check or particularly a uh, Courage Check on, on like a hero who might be next to a big scary monster... Uh, the range 12 can can at times put you out of harboring a range. There's, I've, I've got this famous story where I managed... I had a I had Legolas and a Sentinel at the very back of the board um, doing capturing objectives. And sent, uh, Legolas passed you stand fast. And my opponent had earlier in the game thrown a Drain Courage on Thranduil to try to knock out his will. 
So he was uh, down a couple of courage points. So I was able to use the Sentinel to get Thranduil to pass the courage test, even though he was so far away and was looking to run away or freeze to charge Seelob. So that was very handy in that in those kind of things. So looking for those options and being able to flick the auto passes, you know, a big, you know, 12 to 18 inches once you include the move uh, across the table can be very, very uh, disarming for your opponent. They might not expect you to be able to have that. It is nice in exactly that situation, isn't it? When you've only got a handful of models left on the board and you, you manage to get these guys off and running and you've got that, that lone hero that you just think, if they can pass their, their courage test and charge a certain key model, I'm going to I'm gonna be in a winning position. And you often are at that point because it's right at the end of the game. And the <laughs> captain's level heroes, even elf captain level heroes, when you just have to pass a courage test and not roll like a double ones or a, a one and a two, that's that's when they always fail, isn't it? So so just be able to guarantee it. Even just like your basic run of the mill elf who's sitting on an objective mm. on the other side of the board that has they're alone, they've got no one else around them. It's just him and the world, and he's holding a three point victory point objective. And you're like, man, I hope that elf doesn't run away because the amount of times I've had elves, particularly army of the dead too, like. Big courage five, courage six models run away, and that the only model on an objective is heartbreaking. So, for me, having that that him has I think saved me on more times than I can count by keeping lone elves on objectives at the end of the game. Because as we all know, dice can be fickle, and just when you're not expecting to roll a, a three or three or four on two dice, you suddenly you see that that one and two pop up and your heart breaks because losing that that one key objective has suddenly cost you the game. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's a nice rule to have in your back pocket. Uh, just remember you've got it because it's it's one that you can forget. Now, Kylie, before we finish up this segment, I just wanted to, to talk about one thing about this army. I actually think it's got the most forgiving army alliance matrix in the whole game. Yes. I think it's got Yes. I think it's got like legitimately one of the best in that way. So let me just go through it. So green allies. Green allies, having some green allies is always really helpful because the army special is really good. So your green allies with Erebor reclaimed. So that that dwarf hero one. So if you want your killy, this is where you put it in. So you can get some Iron Hill Dwarves, you can get some champions of Erebor, which are, are good models. So you've got some really good options there. Your green allies with the Iron Hills. So if you want the the stuff that's in the Iron Hills list that's not in the other one, like a ballista, you can you can do that if you want to be really, really mean. And your green allies with the survivors of Lake Town. So if you want a horde army with these guys, that's your go-to because they are dirt cheap and you can get spearmen for almost nothing and just put them behind your elves and away you go. So so if it was just those green alliances, I would be happy. That That's pretty good. That's, that's decent. But... You are yellow alliance with literally everything else in the game. Everything else in the good list. That's what? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Just because they've been around so long, like anything else you want to you want. You want some Minas Tirith? Yellow. You want some Arno? Yellow. Although Arno Arno that's a bit tricky. Oh no, they've got Arvin Dewey. So yep, you can ally over there. It's just uh Misty Mountains, you want some eagles? Go for it. If you want some Ents, yeah, take them. Why not? Go for it. And it's it just gives you so many options. So I think in our uh, mustering army, I think I'll foreshadow that a bit and just say that we'll probably have some interesting alliance going. Oh, yeah. I've got two sitting under, uh, just just up to the side looking at it going, <laughs> I can't wait to drop this, this list on Jeremy because I think, I think you might be pleasantly surprised what you can, what shenanigans you can get up to with this list. And there are a lot of shenanigans you can do with this list. 
Oh, I don't doubt it. Um, I, I, I've got some evil cackling laughter about mine as well. Actually, I think one I might save for for another episode at some point. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll end this segment and we'll come on to the the keep it secret. Secret. Kylie, this is an exciting army list in all the options we can do. So I, I'm just going to lay this out, this Keep It Secret. I want to talk about what I've been playing a lot lately, and that's the the Armoured Elves, the ones that you saw at Battle of Five Armies, the very pretty ones. And, and if you've seen pictures of mine, probably on the Green Dragon page, you see that I've got this nice autumn theme to them. So lots of oranges, lots of yellows, lots of browns, and I'm really proud of them. I think they look really nice. I haven't seen people do bad jobs with these guys. They just they always look so good. So there's so many options. So what the way I play them, think a think a, a death ball, which is very strange for an elf army because elf armies don't usually play a death ball. Usually they play a almost a passive game where you wait for the enemy to come to you, you tank up around some terrain, you get behind your your, your banner, and you just tank a bit while your other stuff's doing doing all their job. You draw them together with your bow fire, and then you bring out your massive heroes and start chopping. This one's some bit similar, but it's all powered by Thranduil, the the armored infantry army, and it's pretty tough if you're going if you're going armored elves. It's pretty tough not to take him because he gives so much for the army. So we're talking about you can take him on an elk, you can take him on foot. That's up to you. But what he does, the Circle of Kings gives you a terror causing bubble, and that is huge. So you're looking at an elf shiny armor that's causing terror. So so things are hard to get to you. And you power up all the elves around you so well with the one plus to wound and the the palace guard that again one plus to the fight value and the the bodyguard rule that's going on that I tend to design it so I've got a death ball of infantry around Thranduil. I, I I tend to have him leading the infantry contingent. I keep him on elk. I love him on elk because sometimes you just need to move a bit faster. Sometimes you just want to hit a bit harder. Sometimes you just want to play around, do whatever you want. But I, I love to lead a core of fighting elves, which has to have some palace guard. And lately I've been doing heaps of palace guard, but it works just as well with the actual Mirkwood elf warriors. So you've got this core of infantry that just goes into a ball gets in some dense terrain, gets in some parts that might be annoying for your opponent and just fights it out, just grinds it out. And with that, you've also got your standard elf stuff where you've got your bowmen, which you can take whatever flavor you want. If you want Merkwood Rangers, take Merkwood Rangers. I prefer the armored elves just because uh, they can fight as part of Thranduil's like, wall. And they just pepper the enemy. They do that stuff to drag them in. They do all your support stuff. They can capture objectives. They can do whatever. And you've got the really, really nice cavalry in this this setup. And what I do with my cavalry, I've got a few jobs for them. I rarely do the the, the, the punch. You know how sometimes when you have heavy cavalry, Kyle, you just basically, you choose the middle of the, the army and you just push it forward and you just try and create the biggest hole you can? Yeah. I don't do that with these guys because I find the infantry actually does that almost as hard as cavalry does. By the time you've got multiple ranks, by the time you've got the really close bases together, the one plus to wound, I find that my infantry is almost hitting as hard as cavalry. So what I do with my cavalry is I, I leave some of them as like a rear guard. So if anything gets around my flank of my death ball, because it's a very tightly packed death ball, 
they, they've got the potential to be hit with cavalry. And what that means is by the end of my death ball, because it's circled around Thranduil, the cavalry are going to be getting the rerolls, even if they're outside the banner range. So that's really nice. So they can do that job. And I also use them as the distraction pieces. So they, a couple of them will ride around the sides and just play dance around and try and split up my enemy's force. So they, they go and, and if you want to chase cavalry, good luck. But I also put them in threatening positions occasionally I'll use them to try and run down a hero just to get brave, and, and occasionally it works. It doesn't work very often, but they hit hard enough that, that if there's an opportunity to knock a captain out, yeah, I'll take it. Why not? Why not gamble that? But they do so much in terms of objective grabbing, because what I find is my infantry often ends up, they run into combat. They play like an aggressive evil army almost, where they just run into a certain spot, they bunker down, and they just attack, 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 and don't move a whole lot, but the cavalry do all that work. And now I've been lately as well, Kylie, I've been putting the Sentinels in my little armored elf force and they, oh, they just, they're such a luxury. They're so good to be able to just move things around, to be able to set up the, the flanks of my cav, to be able to disrupt the middle of a formation. So if I'm death balling into the middle of a formation and suddenly their banner goes walking away, it's just evil cackle mode and, and it's all great fun. So I find this army as it's, it plays almost like a Rivendell list, like an infantry Rivendell list. But it's so much more aggressive and hits so hard. And you've always got that, if you want the crown for Thranduil, you've got that threat to be able to knock a bunch of people down as well for that, that turn that you want to hit as hard as cavalry. So I find it, I found it really, really effective as an army and I've found a lot of fun playing with it. It is low model count. So you've got to make sure everything counts. But it's high defense. So you don't tend to die a lot. You win so many combats. You do not want to split up because if you're out of banner range, you guys tend to die. If they're out of Thranduil's range, they tend to hit just as hard as normal elves, which is not particularly hard. But they, they do so much and they're so much fun to play with. So it's a it's an interesting to have like a death ball elf army. Normally they play a lot more passive than that and it's, it's a bit of an interesting way to play. Yeah, I remember distinctly when I, I first saw you experimenting and trying this 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 strategy with, with the army and it scared the crap out of me because you caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting you to be so aggro with the list and be up in my face, basically on turn two. I was expecting more of a dancey shenanigan kind of thing. So, yeah, I would definitely, uh, particularly for players that haven't listened to our podcast, maybe give it a try because... um. It's not a, a strategy you expect from from elf players, and as as odd as it's going to sound, I think this is one of the few armies that when you're playing against, if you're if you're playing against heavy armored elves and they're playing really aggro, I think you got to throw pretty much all your resources at getting rid of Thranduil. Thranduil is such the lynch, such a big linchpin in this list that I think the reward that you get for knocking him out is arguably better, greater than the reward you would get for, say, killing a Imrahil in a fiefdoms list. I think that's the kind of presence that Thranduil has in this particular list. And diverting, you know, magic, strikes, multiple heroes to taking him out, as as inefficient as it can be at times, I think is necessary. Because the more I play against Thranduil, the more I realize you need to have a way of dealing with him. It, it, whether it's forcing him out of fight you know, or driving him back with... With spellcasters, maybe using some sorcerer's blast to keep to keep him kind of on this tether, so he's away from the main line, or even just having having to go, you know, some really aggressive black darts, or or going in with your big monster and going in for that strike off, is is necessary against him because he is that powerful, that aggressive, and even when he himself might be rolling bad and not getting that those kills, 
his troops around him will be, and that that plus one Dorian is just oppressive, and the plus one fight is just oppressive. Yeah, the troops actually hit harder than him, so that that I I totally agree with that, Kyle. If you want to go against against Thranduil, you have to have a way of basically get him away from the force, and you don't necessarily have to kill him. You just have to make sure that he's he's been baited out to do something that's more important. Uh, the one disadvantage this army has is that, that your model count is probably low and your might count is probably on the lower end because you don't have a lot of cheap might unless you're going to do a, a sneaky ally with some so, uh, the the fishmen, whatever, the Lake Town men. So I, I find that sometimes you've got to be really conservative with your might and that can be that can undo them a little bit. Yeah. My hero of choice to, to team up with Thranduil in this one is the Palace Guards. I, I think they just... They just do it so well, and they end up being part of the death ball. I don't ever put them on the flanks unless I absolutely have to, because this army is a classic throw your eggs in in the, the basket and push it forward. And as we said before in the 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 no thine, the palace guard makes such good guards for Thrandall. So even if your opponent manages to do some magic, they can pretty much do the boxing in. They can do the peel really well. They can power up him for heroic combats. So they, I love to call heroic combats with them and just get him moving. And what you can do then is uh, call the heroic combat and then flip him in the parts where he's back with the rest of your army or to to, um, to, to go take on a bigger threat. So with Fight 7, most heroes are going to be worse than you. So if there's a hero lurking around your flanks or your, your rear, you can ship him off and tell him to go deal with them. And because he's, I often take him mounted, you hit, you get so many attacks on the charge and at strength five, you're pretty much knocking things down. So this is, I think it's a great way of playing the Merkwood Elves. I've, I've really loved it. And I, there's, there's some armies that, that I play and, and you just go, I'll play them because I made the army and I'll go for it and I'll make them worse. This one, I've never felt like, oh, I need to make it work. I've always felt like it's been a real fun game and it's something that I would like to do. And they've been very much lately my, oh, I need an army. Do I? I'll just put them in the car and, and see if someone wants to play with them because I think they've been a huge amount of fun. And they're what I imagine almost first elf, first age elves to be like, just that aggressive, like, almost I don't arrogant, mind taking yeah. on monsters. Yeah, like if there's a Balrog or a Sauron or something like that, I'm going in. I'm going to fight them. I'm going to try and outduel them. I reckon I can do it. And and there's not a lot of elf armies that, that I feel like that's the case. And these guys definitely are because you can go nuts with the, the, the guys that are attacking the Thranduil. You can go two-handed with plus one to win for the army bonus and plus one from the two-handed. So you could be basically hitting like like a Sauron-level monster on a, a four-plus by four-plus, and if you go and stab, you can be re-rolling ones. So you get very, very reliable wounds going, and it's it's pretty nasty. I, I have two things, uh, Jeremy. One, a bit of a, a, bit of a counter-argument, and another... Um, uh, an observation. So I'll start with a counter argument mm. first. Um, <laughs> you said that the army can run a bit low on my. I, I actually think that that's not m- that much of an issue. Uh, for for a couple of reasons. The first is that Circle of Kings, specifically the Nature's Wrath on the six plus auto six plus, is a great way of n- pulling out some might from your opponent. Uh, mm-hmm. If you can get that wrath down into a position where your opponent pretty much has to has to resist it they, they're gonna want to resist it so they're gonna throw you know two three points of will and if you can draw out one or two mites that that's advantage in your favor because you're drawing out might on top of that as well you have fight seven fight six uh uh infantry uh particularly the fight seven on on the captain that again can draw out strike from strikers and and 
most of the time not be that effective against them because they're because the captain is defense seven. So you can draw out Mike quite easily with this list. And you add Sentinels on top of that. The amount of times I've thrown a Sentinel um, uh, uh, singy-songy move to force a model at an enemy hero that, you know, might just be Courage 4 or or even Courage 5, uh, Lurtz as a prime example, can really muck him up. Because if, say, Lurtz is in a really key position and he needs to move forward that turn, you put the spell, the uh, song on him, and he rolls, say, a 3, well, does he spend the will and the might point to, 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 to move and get in position? Or does he forego that movement that turn? Possibly even two movement two turns worth of movement because you can send him backwards and then he's taking, you know, that turn to get where he is, goes back, that's another turn to get back to where he was. So I think you, there are definitely tools to help even out the the uh, the might differential in the list, um, particularly if you're running um, the, the Palace Guard, a lot of the Palace Guard and the Cavalry in tandem. Okay, you might only have five points of might, but just like the kind of the, the Angmar lists that, you know, will generally only have six points of might, maybe a Gulliver and a Witch King, or a Birder and a Witch King, or, or something of that ilk, you've still got Barrowites and, and Spectres and stuff to, to knock out your opponent's resources, their might and will. And I think you've got to treat this list in a very similar way, in that you have lots of tools to, to negate some of your opponent's resources and force them to spend resources on resisting abilities and uh, combating your threats in ways that they might not want to be combating them. I actually 100% agree with your counterpoint there, Kylie, because that's that's how I do play them. I, I, I hold onto my might as much as I can because if I have it at the end game and you don't, I'm pretty much going to win with these elves because I can then go nuts on the heroic combats and, and the nuts on the owning priority and the heroic moves and things like that. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to draw out the might as much as I can because I'm usually going like against, with my five might, I'm usually going up against like six to eight points of might in a standard army. So if I can get the opponent to just lose some of those cheaply, then I'm I'm very very happy. And, and you're exactly right. The threat of the infantry is huge, and the, the the nature's wrath is so so good for just taking off resources, and sometimes still going through, taking off resources and causing problems sometimes. So that can be that can be really worthwhile. So you are 100 percent right with that one. And what was your observation? Uh, my observation is uh, specifically relating to N uh, Thrandall. On the elk, less so on the horse, but mostly that that elk on that fifty mil base. I think one thing that I've noticed a lot with a lot of players uh, playing with Thrandall is a fear of dismounting when they probably should, uh, and a fear mm. from players and and uh, like almost a honing in effect of wanting to kill the elk when they probably shouldn't. So this is both uh, I think for Thrandall players to to look out for and uh, people playing against Thrandall need to be aware of. And that is Blade Lord and the Elk. Um, specifically, Thranduil gets uh, his ability to uh, win combats goes up when he's on foot, and his ability to uh, but his ability to kill things goes down. But when he's on horse, mm-hmm. his ability to win the combats goes down, but his ability to kill things goes up because of the strength five charge bonuses, yada yada yada. So when you're playing against Central, I think it's really important for players to recognize what th- your, your opponent's Thrandall needs to be in the position or, or what your Thrandall needs to be in the position of thinking. If you're in a, a scenario where you're being swarmed and swamped, you're probably going to be want to be on foot. So dismounting off the yes. elk is probably advisable. 
particularly if your opponent has, you know, big clunky models, maybe troll chieftains, maybe a dragon or a cave drake, something on a big base, uh, good to bad trolls, again, another good example of this, that will struggle to get into a Thrandall if he's on foot. But if he's on that big 50 mil base, that's a bigger circumference on that base, which means more models can get into you. I have a really specific example in mind, Jeremy, where I was fighting against a, a, a Thrandall um, with my Goblin Horde. Uh, I had the Watcher in the water and stuff, and I was looking at this Thrandall going, I don't want to knock this Thrandall off his horse. I want to keep him on, on that elk, because I know if I grab that Thrandall or pull him in, there are more models. Even with the heroic defense, I have more space to put in more goblins, get in more bat swarms, get in more attacks to be able to crack through that defense and just roll more sixes, have more opportunities to roll sixes. Whereas if he's on foot, that's less surface area. I miss my monsters. I'm only probably going to get maybe a hero, uh, maybe one other goblin and the watcher. In. And I might be even struggling to get that bat in there too because of how small that base is. That's, I think it's, it's really important for players to really think about how how they're going to deal with Thrandall. Because if you're needing to kill Thrandall, you have the tools to kill Thrandall, sometimes keeping him on that elk is better for you. Keeping him pinned, get more models in. And when you're playing with the Thrandall, looking for those opportunities where that sneaky, you know, dismount off, getting into a key target or, or dismount to get away from a big threat can be game-changing. It can be life-saving for Thrandall. Also, Kylie, the uh, the Elven Cloak works when you're on foot. So you've got extra reason to just get on foot and jump into some woods. And uh, if people are going hard at Thranduil, I would get him on foot because it, it's much harder to kill. And he still does some serious damage. He doesn't do as much. But once, like the, the Elk is almost a delivery system. It's to move him where you want him to be. And if you know that you're not moving for the rest of the game... Don't be afraid to dismount him. Don't be afraid to do one of those lovely heroic dismounts where you, you do it off a heroic combat and then you use it to go fit through a little gap and assassinate something. That's always good fun. But yes, don't be afraid to send the elk off back to the woods as a scout because let it live another day by by, by dismounting and, and let it run away because he, he is good as well. I've seen people just use him on foot for exactly that reason. That he's he's just as good on foot. And that is absolutely fine. Just keep in mind you, you're losing that speed. Mm. It's an interesting one because the elk is so expensive. Like a lot of players will be reluctant to to to, to hop him off the elk. But the way I look at the elk is like you basically have two options. You can go on uh, sorry three options really. You can go on foot, but you're then slower. So if you need a speed and delivery system, take the horse. The horse is probably going to get you to where you want to go. And if you dismount off, but the elk is insurance against that pesky defense seven and those high. Hard, hard to kill models because you get that knockdown, you get that strength five, so it allows you to cleave through those really tough models a lot more uh, efficiently and effectively. But at the same time, some of those armies uh, that you know might be running defense seven, defense five that have these big blocks. I'm thinking like half trolls in particular are a really good example. Um, you want the horse against the half trolls, but if you, if you're up against something like a mumak and half trolls, well, then you might want to be on foot instead because it's easier to get away and hide behind terrain on foot than if you're on the elk. Yeah, very situational and a good option either way because it's it's one of the the best models to dismount in the the that he's actually really really good on foot. Whereas a lot of times you're losing a significant amount. This one you're not losing a huge amount when you go back to foot. So so you've got some good options there. I love taking the elk and I think I'm just biased because I just really love the model. It's the one I'm most proud of. So I think that's that's probably the the biggest influence on me. 
but it is it is a good choice either way. So that's that's my list, Kylie. That's what I run. Can you talk about the uh, the skirmishy ranger heavy force? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of the Merkwood Rangers, as I uh, kind of touched on a bit earlier. Um, by all means, I don't always run them just a pure Merkwood Ranger list. Basically, if I'm going 650 north of 650, I'm going to probably add in uh, Thrandall and a contingent of. Uh, uh, palace guard because the palace guard are just so good one of my favorite strategies at those kind of larger end points you know 750 800 is basically having one third of my army as thrandall and palace guard and then the remaining two thirds of my army as you know legolas tile captains and mirkwood rangers i find that this composition works really well with the mirkwood rangers when you're running a uh, almost a combined arm force because one the Palace Guard allows you to bring in a lot of Sentinels and Shenanigans and stuff like that. But two, the Mirkwood Rangers are really, really effective when they have a good center to kind of pivot and focus around. And in these situations, too, I don't always take the full kitchen sink with Thrandall. You know, in these kind of armies, you're playing more of a harassy style, more of a disengage and and uh, playing weird, awkward angles. Oh, you know, most of the time, you know, just take the elf bow and the circle of kings and, and save those, that, that extra, you know, 40, 50, even 60 points on the heavy armor, the, the, the sword and the elk. And that can buy me an extra five rangers, which I can use to a lot of effect. And speaking of the rangers, the rangers are really powerful in these long drawn out shooting games. The key thing here is finding some terrain and and splitting up your army into almost this giant concave, this really big spread out force. And basically, when your opponent moves towards one part of your force, you ebb away and you, and you disengage. Feel, feel feeling uh, empowered to even move at full speed, foregoing the shots with part of your army, because when you run away at full speed, your opponent has to chase you at full speed. But that allows the other half of your army to just unload, just let loose volley after volley, keep peppering the shots. And the key with the Mercury ranges is to pick off the key models that are going to affect combat really effectively for your opponent so specifically i remember going up against uh black guard uh supported by a whole bunch of orc uh, orc warriors and wild riders with you know a ring rifle two in there and i even though it was less efficient for me to shoot the black guard than it would be to go at the basic orcs that were fives to wound i went at the black guard because i knew once combats rolled around the Black Guard were going to be the thing that was going to do me in. You know, they're wounding me on threes. They've got high, high defense that's going to be really hard for me to deal with in combat. Even if I throw, you know, my heroes and do some combat tricks as well, they're going to be the thing that stalls me down. So I'm throwing all my firepower, knocking out the big key targets in my opponent's army that are really going to muck me around. You know, things like Berserkers and stuff like that too are, are a good example. And using the time and the space that I buy with that shooting to then get in, getting with those Merkwood Rangers and pulling them off into isolated, you know, little pockets of resistance, you know, getting these, you know, four on four fights or these three on two fights and then using three Rangers of mine to run in and trap one guy whilst I have one of my other Rangers go in and charge two or three models and using these multiple combats to basically these big effects, you know, Getting the trap on one, ensuring kill, and then using my one lone ranger to get this massive, you know, three, four attack knife fighter buff, and then fending off a bunch of guys while his three mates, you know, effortlessly take down um, their own target. 
yeah, I, my favorite target is always the the heroes. I love to just just stuff around the heroes with, with that because you've got so much firepower. Like you can easily throw down twenty shots at it that most things will die to that. So when it puts so much pressure on your opponent, when you're able to just line up and say, "Hey, you know that hundred point hero you've got? Yeah, I'm just going to shoot it off the table," and it forces them to to run in. I love this this army list with the uh, with the um the crown the circlet. Uh, Thrandall with that little half regiment, half warband of uh, palace guard with the spears and the shield and the banner. I just think it works so, so well. And I've seen lots of people take it with things like eagles and some other things. It's it's a fun army list to play. And I think it's it really adds to the, the sort of the options you have for this army because you, you've got good options there. Uh, I think the glaives shine when they're teamed up with this skirmishy Merkled Ranger force because they can... They can do a lot of different things, and they look really weak in the same way the Rangers do. You got heaps of options with this one, and and it's it's fun to play. I will say it's not good if you have a really strict time limit tournament, Kylie. Yes, I think uh, it plays slow. It's a many many turn type game. So if you're playing and you're one of the the people that has games that last three turns, you are gonna hate this list. Yeah, it's one of those lists where you need to learn how to play fast because they this list shines in the late game. That's when they're at their most powerful because they have a lot of innate buffs that aren't reliant on resources. They have very passive uh, effects. You know, you got the crown there that just kind of sits around all game. You got Legolas who's got who gets better as the game goes on because his his shots become his auto hit becomes more valuable, uh, and he's a, a, the ability to deal with him goes down. You got Tariel who's just got a ludicrous amount of attacks and stuff like that. So being able to play quickly with this list is really important and. Learning the ebb and flow of the game and when you do need to go into combat. Because there is a time, this list is one of those ones of it uses shooting to soften you up, your opponent up. It doesn't win the game through through shooting. You very much do, at some point in the game, need to run in. And, you know, having these tools, particularly Sentinels as well, are really ha- helpful in that regard. Because they can allow, you know, your tiles and captains to be able to get the, the, the infamous three model charge by, you know, moving a model sp- in a very specific point next to two other models so that you can get your 25 mil base to charge three models at the same time so you can do some fun shenanigans like that and that's the sort of stuff you need to to look at particularly when you have a um a short time limit on a tournament game or whatever it's looking for those opportunities to really maximize your your abilities and, and maximize your hero's damage potential yeah on that one that that's a good option it's definitely worth having a little uh 25 mil base as a little tool so you can set that up because that speeds things up because that that is a nice move to set up that that three model loop and then one of the rangers goes in uh even better is when the ranger goes in and then a palace guard goes and spear supports them that's that's great fun that's that's the dream isn't it kylie that's set up where you got um a ranger charging three models and then a spearman but normally what you're going to get is a ranger charging two models with a spear and that's that's advantage you anything less is not really an advantage in combat so you need to really work the movement. If it's not an advantage in combat in this army, run away. Yeah. Just go away. Don't 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 engage because if you lose a combat, your Merkwood Rangers, your fourteen point Merkwood Rangers will yeah. die. One of the things I love to do when I'm playing the Merkwood Rangers is assume pretty much if I lose a combat, they're dead. Just just cross them off, and if they survive, it's a nice bonus. But because most armies are going to be winning them on fours, uh, and honestly, these days with the prevalence of strength five and the ability to get plus one to wound very easily, most of them are going down on on threes. So be, losing model on threes, that's 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 a, that's that's a super spooky spot to be in. So you need to make sure that when you're going in and charging, you're going to win those combats. But it's basically the, the old proverb of uh, don't start a fight that you 
uh, haven't already won. It's that kind of mentality. Like you only go in when when you know it's a surefire thing. If you can, if you absolutely can in this ranger setup, you will you will love having a banner. You just just find a way to sneak one in because yes, you can play the entire ranger army, but if you want, you, you're gonna have to fight combats at some point. And having fighting around a banner will help you so much. So I know it's possible to run it without one, Kylie, but I still recommend it. I think you you really uh, make it hard for yourself if you don't have access to one or something else that can get you the rerolls. Yeah, honestly, if I'm looking to run uh, pure rangers, even my pure ranger list is still uh, not pure rangers because I'll I'll find a way um, to sneak in uh, either uh, a palace guard and one other palace guard as a friend. Because that then allows me to take two Sentinels, and that can be really handy. So, so look for those opportunities. Maybe you know two Merkle Cav, one with a banner, um, just as maybe a little bit of extra movement, but particularly to get that banner. And, and sometimes I'll even take it with the um, the Merkwood, the, the regular Merkwood guys. Um, yep. And yep. I'll just take Glaives. two guys with Glaive. One with a, one of them has a banner, and his sole purpose is to stand next to a Merkwood elf, get shot, and die. So that he can pass the banner on to a guy with a Merc that's a Merkwood Elf, particularly so that Merkwood Elf and the banner has a uh, Elven cloak. So you can do some little <laughs> fun shenanigans with there. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I I've never done that one passing it off to the Ranger because they they never get to it really. Like they, it's by the time they get to it, it's almost game over from what I've seen. But I don't mind if you want to go cheap and you want that little force with them, uh, like half a dozen glaives and a banner and that just adds so much because this is where the glaives shine, where you've got the, the shielding and the spear rule because you want to ideally use the spear rule. You're not overpaying for defense because you've got low defense across the board. Um, th- this is a fun list because you can really make your Thranduil, your Legolas and your Tower all shine and, and go to town on it. And you can keep this as a green alliance. So you could play this this heavy ranger force with the, the dwarves from the Iron Hills, which is particularly nice if you want to grab some of those p- particular... Uh, the heroes... Um, Maybe some goat riders, but I'm thinking more the champions of Erebor are great with the uh, the rangers. Even just having a tank warband of dwarves that just the the opponent breaks on is is really nice. But also my favorite way of running this one is these guys with the lake town because they just complement each other so so well. You've got the high fight, the potential more attacks, and the great shooting of the elves with mass fire of the the the. What are they? Survivors of Lake Town? I can't remember yeah. which one they are. Yeah, Survivors of Lake Town, but just the Horde. And you don't care about low defense at that point because you've just got bodies on the ground. So you've got some real options here and you've got heaps of alliance options, Kylie. I want you to talk about some of the more, uh, maybe not obscure, but the more uh, options you've got for allying to this Merkwood army. And it could be the Armored Elves or the Rangers or the Mixed Force, whatever you want. What, what, what have we got access to with the allies? Well, like you said earlier, Jeremy, basically the entirety of the good army list. Every list, you basically have access to to get some allied contingents in. So the possibilities are are honestly down to your imagination. Uh, Kind of shifting the focus just ever so slightly and looking at the um, Merkwood Rangers as the allied contingent, so not the main bulk of your force. Uh, One thing I I kind of briefly mentioned before is I love taking Tyrell and to... Uh, two Merkwood uh, elf captains as a little hit squad. Uh, kind of running a bit like how I ran um, my Hashrin in Corsairs list. And that's one little hit squad I like. But the big one that I think is a really cool ally option is the Bjorn and the Treebeard option. Um, I think the Ents and the Big Bear are really fantastic allies 
for the uh, Mirkwood Rangers, and even honestly the mainstay of the Armored Palace Guard and, and Mirkwood Elves, um, because it gives you an even stronger center, particularly for the Rangers. It gives you a pivot point that you don't always have um, with a Thrandall, particularly if you're running Thrandall as more of a budget version. Having a big, solid defense, a high fight um, monster in the center of your force can be absolutely dissuading for your opponent to try and engage. If you have a whole bunch of archery just sitting there taking push shots, there's nothing better than having a giant bear or an ant being a, a shepherd for, for, for your very squishy troops. Kind of like they have to get through the bouncer at the door to, to get to the to the soft targets in the back. Yeah, yeah, Bayon's a solid choice. I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah, monsters, you can go nuts with the monsters, can't you? Because uh, the the Mirkwood, even a ranger-heavy force, if you can manage to get green allies, is fantastic. But even if you can't, just doing a mixture force and, and having elves and a monster is, is really, really nasty. And it's a lot of fun for a good player because as a good player, you often don't get the opportunity to use those monsters. So that's that's a good option. What else have we got, Kylie? Uh, well, we have the um, old mainstay of the Cross-Elf Cultural Alliance. So you can do some really fun stuff with Thrandall and the other Elven Lords. Um, Thrandall kind of makes up for his uh, lack of Lord of the West with his Blade Lord. So you can do some fun all-elf hero shenanigans with like uh, Legolas and uh, Thrandall mounted on uh, Horse and Elk. And then, you know, maybe bring in Elrond, Glorfindel and the Twins. Or maybe throw in an Arwen or, or bring in some extra captains and stuff that are mounted. Uh, you can do some really fun stuff with that and be really aggressive and, and get some really cool, fun games with... Um, mixing and matching some of the, the uniqueness from the heroes from each of the elf lists, particularly even Galadriel and the White Council too. Um, once you layer that on top of the Nature's Wrath on an auto six, you can really use Thrandall almost as um, kind of running in, dropping the, the Wrath on the six, forcing out the will, and then using your actual spellcraft from a, a wizard or a Galadriel to get the, the, the spell, the crowd control down that you would actually want to get off. Yeah, there's some good options that way. There's yeah, the elf alliance, any elf heroes, elf hero heavy works works really well. Uh, you could also do some really sneaky stuff with, with the the humans as well. Like if you want to go a cavalry heavy list, like having having Thranduil and these guys with like a, a Rohan list could be very interesting. And um, you could do some stuff with Minas Tirith because they cost almost nothing. There's there's these opportunities are just endless. I can't I can't wait till we get to the muster, Kylie. I know we're going to get through my favorite segment before that, but there's a lot of options, and I bet you would come up with some clever ones. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what you come up with, Jeremy, because I think a bit like how you you caught me off guard with the Lobelia ally in the Ranger list. I think you you're, you're going to come up with something similar for me, and I'm I'm very excited to see um something out of left field. Yeah, well, we, we, hopefully hopefully I don't let you down. Okay, uh, that will end that segment. Let's move on to the Scenario Spotlight. Scenario Spotlight. Flies and Spiders. After stopping at the House of Beorn, and the departure of Gandalf at the edge of the forest, the company of Thor and Oakenshield venture into the gloom of Mirkwood, warned to keep to the path. Yet as the dwarves traverse the twisting and overgrown trails, they become confused and lost as powers that lay upon the forest infect their minds and betray their wits. 
Soon the dwarves of Thorin's company find themselves caught amongst the huge sticky webs of the vile beings that dwell in the forest boughs at the mercy of their hunger. Seeing that his companions are in dire trouble, Bilbo slips on the magic ring he found within the goblin tunnels and cuts the bound dwarves free from their sticky prisons. Being free does not mean being out of danger, however, and the spiders are not best pleased that their feast is now putting up more of a fight than they were hoping for. The dwarves must fend off their arachnid captors or become another tasty morsel and fail in their quest. Yet even as the dwarves fight for their lives, help is not far away. Scenario Spotlight, Flies and Spiders. So Kylie, this version of Flies and Spiders I've got from the Armies of the Hobbit book. So I'm trying to, wherever possible, use newer scenarios rather than the older ones because, well, we've done the older ones to death. And this is one that we did a, we did to death in the older version. Do you remember that one that had 18 spiders and the, the company and the elves? Yes, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty similar, but they've actually done some work on it. So I'm just going to go through uh, the the rules for it and also the, the differences, I guess. So for, firstly, for participants, we've got flies and spiders here. The participants on the, the good side are pretty much the same. We've got the company, but no no Hobbit in this one, no Bilbo. He's in the picture, though, which is kind of weird. So that that's uh, they always get the pictures slightly different to what's in the description. But we've got, you've got the company. We've got uh, Legolas, Tauriel, and 10 Merkwood Rangers. And then on evil, we've got 10 Merkwood spiders. So instead of the 18, we've got 10, which is a much more manageable number if you want to get some Merkwood spiders. And it's actually a bit more playable on the board as well because they don't get in each other's way. So the layout is pretty much the same. It's just as much forest as you can with a clearing in the center, six inches. Uh, the Thorin's company start within the center. And the this is the funny part here. The spiders are deployed at least 10 inches from the dwarves. So at least 10 inches means 10 inches or more. Yeah. So they can be in charge range if you deploy them that way. The elves are kept aside later for kept aside for later. And so that that's a weird one because I always feel that they, they actually mean greater than 10 inches away, but they say at least 10 inches. So so they, they're in charge range. Yeah. Then the objectives. Uh, basically, you've just got to kill lots of the company. So there's 12 turns. 12 turns feels a bit longer than before. It's a good number of turns. It's a bit stressful. We've got to kill uh, the good wins if they've still got 10 or more members of Thorin's company alive. So basically three deaths or, or less. And the able player wins if they can slay at least six members of the company. So seven of them the left. Any other results to draw? I like that. There's a bit of a, an area for draws. It's not just like the, the weird chance. Draws are legitimate chances you can go for them. Three special rules, not too many. Um, the Haze of Merkwood, this is the killer. Because it's thick, mysterious fog, at the start of each of the dwarves move, roll a d6. On a 4+, plus, that dwarf may not move that turn and may only roll a single dice for a dual roll and not make strikes. Now, this one, at the start of their move, uh, we played it so that basically that if they've already been charged, you don't roll this. They're already fighting. They're awake. They're, they're, they're not in the haze. They're just totally focused on a spider. So that was uh, something to think about for the spider player. The next rule is the rangers. They turn up on fourth turn. Um, they all come on from the, the same board, do they? Uh, at the end of the good force, they may move Legolas, Tariel, the Merkwood Rangers onto the board as reinforcements from any board edge. We played them all at the same board edge, like they're coming as a pack, but I'm sure you could split them up if you wanted to. Probably doesn't make a difference. And then we have the spider's nest. The spiders come back. Ooh. So if they're slain, uh, basically before the priority is rolled, the evil player may place them uh, at least 10 inches away. At least 10 inches again. So you can place them in charge range of the dwarves. Oh, it says from any good models. We, we did it from the dwarves, but from any good models, it's fine. Once again, doesn't really make a difference. They're in charge range. They may act as normal. 
so you can charge with them. That's that's the part that surprised me a little bit when I was playing through this because we're so used to things taking a turn to react, but this one, the spiders just reposition and attack straight away. Yeah, that sounds lethal. You kill one spider in front of you and then suddenly pops up behind you ready to attack you in the back. That that can be pretty brutal. I'm interested. How did how did the dwarves and the elves fare? Okay, so I played this one. I've only played it through once. I played it with my, my five-year-old daughter. She was uh, rolling the dice for the spiders, but I was basically puppeting them along and and playing solo. And this game works solo because it's pretty obvious most of the time what the spiders can do. It's go for the most... Uh, tempting target go for the objective and sometimes when they have the priority you might want to charge say uh the weaker dwarves and then let the other dwarves fail that four plus roll because on a four plus they can't move that's killer that's so difficult that's so tricky so we played uh we played the 12 turns and basically by the end of it i had exactly 10 dwarves left and nothing else left no elves and I was I was down to one wound for almost all of them. Had almost no resources. It was really really tough. I didn't expect that. I got some fluky failed wound rolls on the spiders at the last turn. Like I thought a draw was right on the cards. It was really tricky because you had some dwarves on the end as like satellites to try and push the the spiders back a bit. But the problem was that they'll get stuck there and then they'll be on their own because none of the dwarves could roll that one, two, or three to keep running at them. So I found that it was really tough. Uh, heroic moves are so hard to do because even though I got, um, I think it was Biffa who has got the axes, I believe, I got I got that up and running, got the got the axe wound, but I couldn't call it because he froze every time in the, the haze of Mirkwood. So that was that was a funny one as well. So the dwarves, they, they really struggled in this one. They... they um, it, it re- did remind me of the old Spaceball games we used to play, Kylie, where yeah. like the Gene Steelers, they're easy to kill. You can wipe them out, but they're numerous and they're deadly. Like when they get a win, they really get a win. So we had to, had some problems there and there was a lot of nail-biting moments. And unlike the older version of it, it was nail-biting from turn one to turn 12, whereas the older one was nail-biting for four turns and then you had like five or six turns of just, just wipe up the spiders and who cares. Yes, yes, that was very much the case. It's well, that's that's nice that the addition of the spider's nest rule, reducing the number of spiders, but having them keep being basically refreshed every turn. Um, I think it seems like it was a really good change and a really smart change too to keep to keep the tempo of the game at that high level constantly throughout the game. Because there's nothing worse than having a non-game where the the conclusion is pretty much written written in the stars. So to have have a small change like that be such a such a have a big impact on the scenario. It was really good to see. It was really really impressive that they've gone to the effort to to fix it up. And look, I like the change, and I can't say that it's balanced for everyone at this point. I've only played it once, but it was so much more enjoyable. And and the fact that they've cut down the models and made it more enjoyable, I thought that's a winner. I still they still got the dwarf after every name, which is annoying. Get rid of those. Come on, come on. But at least I don't have the trademarks. That's all good. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. That spider web on the throwing weapon is deadly. The spiders have a real choice because sometimes you want the dwarves to stumble around and do nothing, but other times you really want to go in. So oftentimes we're going into the powerful dwarves because a one in three chance of, of paralyzing them is amazing. Like it doesn't matter which dwarf it is, you're going to kill if they're paralyzed. The elves came on and I was I relaxed a little bit. So I, I, I used up a lot of points of mind. I used up some heroic combats and some failed heroic combats to keep my dwarves safe at the start. And then the elves came on, and I'm like, okay, I've got this. I've got this under control. And then, like, three turns later, all the elves were wiped out. So it didn't particularly help, and the dwarves were fighting on their own again, um, including 
Legolas and Tauriel both got killed by the spiders, which was which is interesting. I started Legolas came on two turns to be an artillery piece and just picked off one wound spiders because one of the tactics I was doing as a dwarf player was making sure that I spread the wounds as evenly as possible amongst the spiders because my thought was that I don't actually need to kill the spiders straight away, but if they're on one wound, it means I can heroic combat off them yeah. with, with a decent chance with a single dwarf. So I'd much rather have a living... Uh, one wound spider right in front of me than a dead one that's going to come on and just charge me and do a web. Yeah, no, that's a very good point to make, Jeremy. It's uh, it's interesting how that Hazen Merkwood um, special rule interacts with the spider web special rule, um, specifically how how those two rules like making sure that you're in that charge range so you can negate that web because that that web now being a throwing weapon is absolutely lethal and i can see how having having that that small little change just to make it just a little bit more annoying and a bit harder to play around that rule can can make it a lot more fun and interesting to play yeah and sometimes as a dwarf player like i lost priority a lot and balan's reroll wasn't working but I actually didn't mind it because when the, the spiders charged me, I had a much greater chance of winning combat. So it meant I could also had a much greater chance of doing heroic combats and things. It was, it was a funny one because normally you get really frustrated when you can't win any priorities. But that actually, I think, saved me in the end because it meant that, that uh, Audrey couldn't get little um, easy shots off on some of my more powerful characters like my my Gloin and my my Thorin because they were rolling three dice when she charged them with the spiders. Whereas if I was wandering around in the haze and then got charged by a spider, I pretty much lost the combats because one attack against the spiders, two, eh, I don't like those odds once you run out of might. And uh, the elves, they just <laughs> they were funny. They, they were almost ablative armor because you can't stand back and shoot with the elves because they get, the spiders are in combat every turn pretty much guaranteed that they're not going to avoid combat so the idea of the elves just shooting back is is silly so they come in and they try to spread out but it just didn't work because the spiders anyone that i put out as point defense spiders just gobbled up like with with no problem so there's a couple turns where i could just get my breath back because the elves took took the side and said we'll save you dwarves but then the spiders ate through them really quickly yeah spiders spiders are always nasty particularly against like Defense three Milkwood Elves and Defense five Heroes, they'll just absolutely tear them to pieces. Because string five three roll ones is is nothing to sniff at. Yeah, the five value is really low, but with when you have two attacks, your probability to win the fight isn't terrible. So you always have to kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Like if you lose combat, there's a good chance that you're going to cop one, maybe even two wounds. Yeah, it was nice, especially um, having having playing with a kid to know that the fight value. I just had to tell her if we roll the same number, I win, and she was fine with that, and that that made a lot of sense. So it was it's kind of nice to have that simplified fight value with a fight value two going around. So that was cool, and and it was I thought it was a it wasn't a bad way of playing with a, a relative new player because the spiders' tactics are pretty straightforward and, and can be picked up pretty quickly. So it's um I, I had a lot of fun with this one actually. It was I was umming and ahhing about which scenario to take for the scenario spotlight and I was choosing and I, I ended up Kylie choosing between this one, the flies and spiders, and in the same book there's the battle for Dale. And the bottom line was that I ended up thinking, well, I was gonna have to play through it during the day, and the Battle of the Dale just looked like a almost a standard points match with lots and lots of models on each side. Whereas this one feels more narrative the idea that all the heroes are fighting against an unstoppable horde of spiders and yeah and i i made the right choice because i was going to play it by myself just do both sides 
but then I had had both kids wanting to to play along, and we end up end up talking one of them out of it. But it was it was really good to to be able to play through it and, and put it down. And it's I I do like the changes. I like the ten spiders. It's much more manageable. And uh, well, now now you can get spider models from pretty much any company. Print them or get them from plastic spiders or whatever. I would say that if anyone has a Thorin's company that has an interest in Thrandall's Halls, get this scenario out because it was a good fun game. Sounds great. I look forward to maybe having a game against you in this scenario at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would. I I, I want to go back through all the other ones as well because oftentimes I've just been ignoring the reprints uh, because I just think, well, I've already played through that. But I, I want, might find some more secret hidden gems in there because I really do appreciate that they didn't just straight reprint it. They actually have at least played through it once or or maybe at least theorized but they've made some changes and they've made some, some good changes. It feels like it's a better scenario for the change. Hmm. Well, that's really good to hear, Jess. Mm, mm. And look, it doesn't particularly show off the elves that well. So it's, I, I guess the episode, I, I, I thought, oh yeah, this is perfect for the, for the Halls of Thranduil episode because the elves heroically come in and save the dwarves and, and deal with the spiders and they're all expert at fighting spiders. <laughs> it just didn't happen that way. They just got munched by the spiders. They killed a few, but because the spiders are instantly back automatically, it's almost irrelevant. It's just, a, you're just looking at the clock, trying to get to that 12 turns as soon as you can. Hmm. Particularly with the fact that the, since the spies have such a large base, it can be hard to get multi-charges off with the Burford Rangers, so you're not really procking their Night Fighter ability too often. Mm, rarely, rarely. Well, I think I got it off once, and even then I lost the combat. <laughs> Ouch, rough. Well, it's still only two attacks versus four attacks. That's not good odds either. Yeah, you're better off. You're better off compressing your bases and getting lots in there. That was just because I had to pin two, so I had one elf pin and hope. But no, that didn't work particularly well. Tariel, I didn't get to to do it very often because whenever I used her, I, I got her and two elf friends into a combat and then called a heroic combat to go and just have because I had lots of combats where I had paralyzed dwarves and I just had to put an attack in there and hope I could uh, fend the spider off for a turn. Yeah, I suppose that's that's one thing that the scenario hasn't changed with, that the elves are kind of like cannon fodder, almost. As weird as it say, elves are cannon fodder, but they, they kind of are, because I remember in the old edition of this scenario, that's what the elves were. They were basically glorified, you know, meat shields for the dwarves to, to, to go in and maybe peel, maybe get some base blocks in there to prevent the spiders from getting into the dwarves so that they have a chance of getting back up uh, from being paralyzed. Oh, a hundred percent. I I wonder what would happen if you just made the um the two elf heroes part of the objective as well. It might it might be a positive change. It might be a negative change, but it does feel weird to just be like not caring at all about the lives of the elves. Just throw them in and and if they die to hold up a spider for a turn, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I don't have a problem with that. Well, thanks for that scenario spotlight, Jeremy. That was interesting. I wasn't expecting it to kind of pan out that kind of way. It- the, the rework to be much more enjoyable so thanks for that but i think it's now time that we move on to uh keep it no not keep it secret what, what's that what's our other scenario? mustering army that's one i got there yay yeah so we're gonna move on to mustering an army cool 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 let's do this mustering an army Come, my 
And a final segment, Kylie. I don't want this episode to end because I really do like the the, the halls of Thranduil list. So we've got we've got our muster and army segment. I want to start off. I've got a little four hundred point list uh, to to start with, and I've thought about this as a bit of a, a beginner's list as much as anything. So usually we try to just un- we don't limit ourselves with models, really, do we? We just sort of go, let's go the optimal choice. This one I have limited myself with models, but I, I probably. Uh, I probably set set up the person to fail a bit with the war gear, but I'll show you what I've got. So I've gone for in Warband One. It is the halls of Thranduil. So I've got th- gone for Thranduil. So this is Thranduil with heavy armor and the additional sword, and that's it. So I've gone cheapo Thranduil, like just just the bare minimum. So he's whatever he is, one hundred and twenty five, hundred thirty points. He's just he's just a, a basic one, but he's great to yeah, combat. Bare, bare minimum, and he's over a hundred points. Yeah, yeah. Well, the bare minimum is is no sword, but I think you're getting a bit silly. He's here to to give his special rule for the army, basically, and to fight as many guys as he wants with that fight seven and extra attacks, and and he's he's pretty decent. Uh, I've gone in his warband. He's got a palace guard with banner spear shield, so full kit banner bearer, um, which follows him around, basically, and he's got five palace guards with spear and shield, so full kit palace guards, a total of six models in his warband, not a huge amount, but he doesn't really care because he's happy to take on lots of guys, and these guys hit through things pretty well. I've got a second warband as well, 400. I've gone for a palace guard captain with shield. So keeping the palace guard theme, you can probably see. And also five palace guards with shield and spear. So I've gone full war gear. So if you're if you're wanting to start out with this army, and I actually quite like it as a starting army, you're going to need to do one of two things. You're going to have to get a Thranduil. That, that's fine. So you get the, get the pack with a Thranduil of sword. It's got heavy armor, but you can probably just use any Thranduil that you've got around. You need to either get a pack of palace guard captains and then convert one into a banner bearer and a pack of 10 palace guards and then do some conversion to get extra shields and extra spears. So whether you go the 3D printing route, whether you go the press molding route, whether you go scratch building, whether you steal them off your friend's elves, whatever, you need to make sure you get those extra war gear in there. Or the other option is to, to get Thrandall and then get two boxes of the Palace Guard, uh, mix them up, get the Captain and the Banner Bearer out of that by just converting them up. That will give you a lot more spears, so you don't have to then like create the spears from scratch. You just have to then press mold some shields, which is probably, if I'm honest, the easier way to do it. Because the spears yeah. are quite unique, and if, if you can't find a 3D printing file, it's going to be pretty hard to replicate that across the army. So if you want consistency, that's probably a better choice. Uh, what do you think of the army, Kylie? Pretty solid. The only thing that I'm worried about is the the lack of a bow, even <laughs> just a single bow, even it. just a solitary, solitary bow. Because at 400 points, you can get kited. You don't have any have any mounted units. But hell, if you get if you get like front to back against someone, that this little list is going to absolutely demolish whoever you, whoever and whomever you. Uh, come across. Mm. I took the the palace guard captain as as a guard for the Thranduil, but also he's got the march. So basically, I've got I've got a decent amount of might actually for four hundred points. I've got the two heroes with the, the five points of might. So if I if people are running away from me, I'm pretty much just marching in their face as soon as I can and waiting for the heroic uh, move or the the priority that I get. So yes, that that is true. I don't have it, but I just thought. The elves, I always imagine being really arrogant, and I think they'll be the kind of army that'll be arrogant enough not to to take some bows and just go the very basics. And look, it's probably not the best four hundred point list you could take, but I think it's a good starting point if you like the armored elf aesthetic, and it's it's probably a more reasonable buy in than than going straight for the resin ones because they they're going to eat into the bank account pretty quickly. 
Mm, and just just thinking, um, just as an aside here, Jeremy, you do have 11 spears with the list. You could quite easily afford to take off five spears, give Thranduil a bow, which would save on the uh, need to having to convert uh, those extra palace guard to get those uh, shields and spears in there. Because I'm pretty sure the palace guard kit comes with six spears base. Six spears, four shields, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's a good so that's, idea. So that's, that's one way you can go. Yeah, you could you could definitely have Summers just shieldmen at the front and then move it around. I do recommend getting shields on as many as you can because the difference of having the shielding rule and having an extra defense for only one point on a very expensive model is huge, I find. So it just stops that weakness if someone jumps around the back or uh, gets through your first rank. But yeah, that's, that's a good idea is to, to get a bow in there. I, I, I just think at 400 points, you, you're oftentimes just going all in on something and, and hoping and and I, I'm probably hoping that I'm playing on a smallerish board. Like if I'm playing on a four by four board, I might consider something a bit more kitey. But uh, on a small board, then I think this will do fine. And it's it's a cool painting project and something to paint to. I think as much as anything. So it gives you a good basis for what you're going to expand out to later on. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, not a bad little list that you have there. Mm. Do you have another list for me, Jeremy? I I see on our little uh, okay order of stuff to read out. Yeah, yeah, sure, have, of course. Uh, so I've um I was very tempted to go my I'm currently running a six fifty point list uh, quite a bit and I really really like it but I talked about it last episode or, or the episode before whenever whenever with timelines it's always terrible when you're recording podcasts so I've just upped it to seven fifty so I've got a seven fifty tournament ish list uh, there's a few versions of this one one of the tempting things is to just add more troops in and you can get a decent amount of troops for a hundred points for elves you can get another eight nine guys. And that, that's happy days. But instead, I've gone for another hero. So what I've got in this list, I've got low numbers, but I've got quality. So my first warband is Thranduil with the Elk, Heavy Armor, Extra Sword, and the Circlet. So this is my full kit Thranduil. It doesn't have a bow. And once again, that's because I didn't have a bow on the model. I'm not going to chop up that Forgewood model. It's beautiful. And... I like to keep Thranduil on the move wherever ever I can, so I'm not so worried about not shooting. I've got shooting elsewhere. I've got shooting elsewhere, six Mirkwood Owls with Elf Bow. I've got eight Mirkwood Cavalry with Shield, so I'm going all in on the Cavalry. I told you my story about how much Cavalry I have at the start, so I've got unlimited funds of this. If you don't, just swap about for more infantry if you want. That's fine. I've got two Wood Elf Sentinels taking advantage of being able to sing models around. And then I've got uh, two Palace Guard Captains with shields leading little warbands. So one of them has a banner spear shield and four Palace Guards with spear shield. And the other one has four Palace Guards with spear shield. So I've got a, a good block of Palace Guards with this. And then the numbers are relatively low. So I've gone for, what's that? Uh, 19. So I've got 28 models at 750, which is low. But it's really hard to crack. When you've got a wall with Thranduil and two palace guards backed up by, what is it, nine or so palace guards, that's tough to get through. The the elf bows go and help out them. So if you're not coming at them, they're shooting at you. If you come at them, suddenly they're hitting pretty hard as well. They've got uh, the elven hand, half, hand and a half sword. And I've got sentinels doing funny stuff at the back. I've also got the option to send Thranduil off with their cavalry and then just a cavalry charge with Thranduil and eight cavalry all getting the re-rolls for the, the banner, not Thranduil, but everyone else getting that. Hits really hard and, and goes through things quickly. So it's a bit of an all-round list. It's light on models, but I think it's pretty powerful. Uh, so your thoughts on this one, Kylie? Yeah, I, I do like the, the Thranduil with two palace guard uh, captains either side of him as kind of like a, the tip of the spear kind of 
uh, strategy, just run in and hit things with with stupid high strength and just use all of those like damage uh, damage buffs you get from the army bonus and just absolutely tear your opponent apart. So you do have some really cool tricks like that. The only only issue I have is the possibility of your army getting uh, enveloped and surrounded uh, could could potentially be a problem. But knowing you as a player and how you like to hug around terrain and stuff, you could quite easily mitigate that, particularly with the Sentinels uh, spooky tests. You could use um, the uh, Aldemar Madrigal to kind of put models into awkward spots that I, I, I know you love to do and just, you know, use your opponent's models to block up some extra space and stuff to make it harder for them to to envelop and surround you. But even then, even if you do get surrounded, I mean, you have a Thranduil. He, he doesn't really care about being trapped and having fighting multiple opponents at once. So you do have some um, combat mechanics in there that you can use to get yourself out of a sticky situation. Yeah, I'm not so worried about being enveloped because that's actually one of the strategies I want people to use against me because I've got really, really good breakthrough troops. Like anyone who's near Thranduil in this list and, and anyone, I mean, by mean anyone except for the Sentinels, hits with the one plus to wound if they're near Thranduil. So already they've got breakthrough potential. If I need dense infantry, like I'm trying to break through terrain, I've got the Palace Guard. A wall of Palace Guard will break through things pretty quickly. But if I want to like break through a sparse spread out force, I've got eight cavalry models plus Thranduil on an elk. So I can flip that around with the Sentinels doing some clever movement. The, the heroic combat potentials are huge there. And I could actually... Uh, like when they start enveloping me, break through and start doing that where you munch the lines and end up like enveloping them. And the palace guard can hold really well. So because I've got the shield, I can spread them out into a single line and just shield and hold off for basically a wall while the cavalry and Thrandall go to work. So I've got some options for that. So I don't mind if people put the effort into wrapping around me because I'll just push hard at one point and, and see what happens. Yeah, that's that's very, very, very true. Yeah, I didn't quite think how... I mean, I, I did, I did and I didn't. You know, like I, I <laughs> talked about the tip of the spear and then didn't realize that, yeah, you could breach through a point in your opponent's line fairly quickly. I think I think where I'm kind of coming from is the, the bit of the worry against those kind of big flood horde armies where it doesn't matter how good the tip of the spear is. You, you're just going to yeah. keep driving it more into the, the pile of sand. Like, okay, you, you, you killed eight goblins this turn with, with, your, uh, with your two heroes and uh, Thranduil. Uh, that's great. Here's another 16 of them into that gap. Like, it's it's kind of those situations where you just get bogged down by an, an army that's you know yes almost I suppose outnumbering you two to one or maybe even three to one. Those are the times when you've just got to rely on your whatever it is eight bows and the couple sentinels and the circle of kings doing some work to break up the force, and then you've got to make sure that you engage them in in a spot that's preferable for you. So you've got to be either hugging some terrain or in some terrain or a place where you can easily go and flip your lines and change where you're engaging. Because, yeah, if you just let, yeah, horde of, horde of unlimited horde of goblins, 100 goblins surround you or 100 ruffians even, whatever it is, yeah, they'll munch through you because you just, you will lose some combats and you will die. But if you let it so it's only like two of your guys versus two of theirs and you've got a banner back up, well, you'll win that. You'll just grind it out and, and eventually get the advantage. And so that that's all going to be on you. You've got the, the, the tools to draw them towards you. So you shouldn't feel pressured in this army to have to rush at the opponent. Unlike my last one. The last one, I have to rush. This one, there's no reason to rush. Like I should be able to be matching most armies and if the army's vastly superior in shooting i've got really good hitting hard hitting breakthrough troops i could just go nuts and go and attack their archery contingents and 
uh, and use that against them. So I'm not that worried about it. What I am worried about, though, is um, like magic heavy lists because I don't have any inbuilt magic resistance. And because I've got elite troops, magic can really bring elite troops down to, to almost nothing. So that is the one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about. Multiple magic casters stopping my heroes and then their heroes just taking down my troops. Yeah, Angmar looks like it'd be a pretty uh, pretty rough matchup. Yeah, the multiple Wraith-type Angmar or Barrow Whites or something like that could cause problems because I'm putting so much into Thranduil and the two Palace Guard Captains. So if you can if you can mitigate them, then I've basically got whatever it is, 25 Elves. Most people can, can beat 25 Elves, but, but when the heroes are getting to work it, it's harder to do. Even a Kardish, the Kardish just throwing a fireball each turn or a... Um... Oh, yeah. Or a wizard or like a Saruman or something going for a Blossom, a couple of Palace Guard could get really annoying really quickly. Yeah, I think for those wizards, you're going to have to just be, uh, get all your archery and just try to punch a hole in them, stay out of the really effective spell range. So Kardush, I really don't want to get within six inches of him if I don't have to, but it's almost impossible the way he works. So that's that's one where you, you stay away, stay away, stay away. And then once you're close, you do basically your tactics where you just do a tip of the spear, heroic combat with all your heroes, push forward, and then just try to get to a point where you've got a chance to go at him next turn. Burnout. Love that strategy, Jeremy. <laughs> but do you mind if we switch gears a bit and go from the Palace Guard to a little angel list that I have prepared? Yeah, yeah, go for it. You have a turn. All right, so I have a little 400-point ranger list. It's it's really, really simple. It's Tariel with a bow, seven Mirkwood rangers, one Mirkwood elf sentinel, and in warband number two, it is a Mirkwood elf ranger captain dude, uh, and he's got eight Mirkwood rangers in there. So it's very small. It's only uh, 18 models, but 100% bow. There's a sentinel in there. There's Tariel and a ranger captain, and... This is one that I like to pull out on, you know, our little Friday meetups um, that I have, uh, you know, down with some of our uh, Western suburbs groups and stuff like that. And yeah, it's it's a good blast to play with because uh, it's got some weaknesses, but it has a lot of strength in it too. Yeah, this is probably a, a little bit better. Well, not against all armies, but it's probably a better 400 point uh, force in mind just because you've got that really dominance in the shooting phase and your combats like Tariel and the palace guard captain are, are pretty good fighters like they're they're, they're going to be able to at least match most things that the enemy could put into you the Merkwood rangers are great if someone charges five guys into them but let's be honest no one does that so they're basically a scare tactic to give you more time and then when you get a chance you put a bunch of them into combat and try and rely on your fight value to win the combat you got the sentinel in there one sentinel is fine at 400 that's that's a nice little bonus as well i like this force what you don't have though is the spears or the banner to back you up so you're quite flimsy in combat so what you don't want to end up is one of those like heavily armored gondor forces that's that defense six or whatever it is just going at you and just engaging you early on because if you don't if you don't get the opportunity to use your your shooting you're going to be in a bit of trouble but i I do like this list and i like that it's it's quite achievable to get as well it's what is it mostly the plastics you've got a a sentinel which you can convert or um, make out of whatever you want the merkwood rangers are solid the yeah, it's a nice theme, and oh, I, I like it. I like the bow and tarial because you are gonna you are gonna stand back and shoot, and you're just gonna force the enemy to get into bad combats with you. Yeah, that's 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 the idea of it too, and it gets a bit. It's it's a really interesting um, army because um, it does this really weird like psychology thing to your opponent where you, you play it and it dominates you early, 
and you're, you're, you're unloading, you know, 18 shots a turn, you're getting all this pressure, and, you, you know, you get five, six, seven kills, and your opponent's, like, dejected, and they think they've lost, and then they get into combat. And then I'm <laughs> stressing, because I'm trying to, like, min-max the combats to the best of my ability, because I know, once you get into combats with Merkwood Rangers, particularly if you get into one-on-ones, um, they just die like flies. And then my opponent suddenly is like, oh, oh, the comeback, the comeback. And they're like, oh, I've got a couple of extra kills. I'm only three or four kills now behind. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's what happens when you play against Merkwood Rangers. You lose early and then you win late. So it has, it's a deceptive army to play against sometimes. One thing I would always recommend to players is if you're playing against Merkwood Rangers, uh, don't count yourself out until the end of the game has occurred because you always have a chance to fight it back because of the, how low their defense is. Yeah, they, they do make for interesting games. They make for stressful games. And, and you know you've never got it absolutely won because especially those randomly ending games, they, they always make me really nervous because you die so quickly that if the game goes for two turns longer than you hope, you're pretty much wiped out at that point. So you've got to be really careful, especially especially late game, and not because of courage, but because once you get to one-on-one combats, your elves just die every combat they lose almost. And that's that's quite stressful. Normally you survive most combat you lose. These guys die most of the time. Yeah, I, I specifically remember a game I played um, against, I think it was the Witch King and a whole bunch of Moranon Orcs. And I, I had done a good job of climbing and knocked out probably about five or six of the Moranon Orcs with this list. And then we got into combat, and my opponent thought, oh, it's game over, we're just rolling out the dice. And I'm like, oh, don't be so sure. And then we had this one round of combat where I lost literally every single round of combat and lost seven elves in a single turn. And my opponent ended up getting a kill lead, and they're like, huh, I wasn't expecting that to happen. I'm like, yeah, man, that's what happens to Merkwood Rangers. <laughs> they, they, have, they don't wear armor. They have paper mache. Blow on them hard enough and they die. I think the key with this one as well is that at 400 points, there's probably going to be one model that you just need to get rid of. And with with 19 bows, like if you can't get rid of it in shooting, you're doing your job wrong. You've got to be able to take off something that's worthwhile. If you end up just thinning numbers a little bit, you're probably, maybe in some scenarios, but you're probably doing it wrong. You need to be able to really threaten their, their leader or key model or, or whatever before it gets to combat because you want to just remove it from the board, take a big 100-point chunk out of their army and, and see how it goes. Yeah, 100% okay. So I'm just going to change gears a little bit. Um, I've also got a competitive list for you, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. Um, Not 750, but it's 800. And it's one that I have uh, kind of ran at the path a little bit smaller at 650, back when Thranduil wasn't so kitchen Mm sinky. But I want to see what you think of it. So it's an 800-point voice. It's Thranduil, uh, King of the Wooden Mount, and he just has the bow and the circlet of kings. No armor, no extra sword, no mount. Uh, he has three palace guard with shield, six palace guard with shield and spear, and one palace guard with banner, shield, and spear. In warband number two, it's Tariel with elf with an elf bow, eight Merkwood Rangers, and two Wood Elf Sentinels. And then in warband number three, we have Legolas, Prince of Merkwood, on horse, and he has nine Merkwood uh, Rangers and one Wood Elf Sentinel in his warband. Okay, so you said this was 800, was it? 800, yes. Yeah. And you're all you're all slow-moving infantry, but there's a lot of shooting here. So there's you've got the three Sentinels, which is a really nice number. You've got, what is it, like the 17 Rangers and Tower will shoot. Oh, Tar- Legless is on a horse. Um, Tarot and Legless are, are great at shooting. Thranduil's got an elf bow, so he's got the two-plus shoot bow. That's great. Palace Guard, uh, some of the shield, some of the spear, some of the banner. 
I, I do like this. It's very similar to a list that I've I've run in the past as well under previous editions, and the tactic is pretty similar where you, you basically – you do what you we said in the 400 list. You, you stand back, you shoot, 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 but you've got a combat warband that basically jumps behind any combat that's about to happen. So when they finally catch up to one of your elves, hopefully your, your palace guard are in striking range. So just jump behind, put spears behind the Merkled Rangers because who cares? The Merkled Rangers put spears behind uh, – I would try to get spears on all these guys, but it looks like you, the points are, are right on. So that's fine. Some with shield. And then you've got that nature's wrath just to as extra insurance. When someone gets to you and you don't want to fight them, you just knock them down for a turn so you can reform the lines. I like it. I love the terror bubble in this one. Circle of Kings works so well with, with Merkled Rangers. <laughs> it's funny like that, isn't it? You think, oh, yeah, Merkled Rangers would take Tauriel and Legolas, but Thranduil gets them going like anything. So that's really good. I like it. You've got the banner in there. You've got spear options. Uh, Palace Guard are really good spear options. The high fight value is good. Uh, if you want to go budget, you can go the Glaives, but might as well. Might as well spend big and go for the Palace Guard. I quite like this one. It's a good one. Thank you. Uh, I've had some, I wouldn't say moderate success, probably a bit better than that. Um, I think I got a second with it way back when. But uh, yeah, I absolutely love the playstyle too. And it's got, it's got a weird sort of dynamic where it's not so scared about the Shadow Lord. Uh, a little bit scared of like the wizards uh, with Blinding Light, so Gandalf and Galadriel. But uh, I do have fond memories of sniping out the uh, Shadow Lord by throwing every single bow shot I had at the Shadow Lord, uh, getting a couple of hits through, getting a wound off, um, and then using Legolas' auto hit to uh, knock out the last point of fate and that last wound to knock him out completely. So... It's one thing that I always find a little bit interesting is when you when you have enough bows and this force has 21, you can just kind of lure of averages and shoot straight into Blinding Light or Fall of Darkness and you can get some really interesting effects from it. Well, you've got also 9 Might that you can spend on shooting shots. So, like, Legolas's can be auto-hit, which is nice. You can, you can pump that up with the, the Might, but also Tarry on Thranduil just for the opportunistic times when you get that 6 and then go, ooh, yeah, let's just take the wound and see what you can do, and, and can you roll your fate well? And and something like a Shadow Lord, yeah, you're right, because that one's only got the one wound, so it's pretty easy. But I would still, if I was a, a Gandalf or something along the line, I'd just pump every single shot into them as well, because they, they're much easier to wound, hard to hit. But when you hit, it causes some real problems, and, and it's a big psychological uh deterrent as well this one you still play the same tactics you're still gonna dodge and weave and and run away whenever you can and then be surprisingly resilient when the palace guard come and back them up because palace guard are hard to get through and rangers when they go charge two models and then get a palace guard behind them and are in banner range they win like the majority of their combats and they can do some damage because you're rolling three dice on the the wounds and you've got thrandall nearby hopefully so your palace guards getting better to wound yeah, it, it's it's a good solid model. Uh, Army, it's has it improved? Yes, I think it has improved this edition just because you've got access to the Sentinels and Thrandall's giving one plus to wound to his uh, guard. Hmm. Well, at least that's what I found in, in the limited couple of games I've had with the new rules. I still like the Thrandall without the blade and the heavy armor as just a backline support hero. I still think he does that role um, quite well. Um, because the Circle of Kings with, with the Terror up is, is so damn good, and good luck uh, getting to Thranduil when he has an Elven Cloak. So mm. I, I think if you're looking to save some points, and you save a fair bit of points with this, I think it's uh, 60, the Blade's 30, Elk's 20, Heavy Armor's 10. Yeah. Um, 60 points is nothing to sit snap, because that's, that's another 5 Merkwood Rangers or another 5 Palace Guards. 
Yeah, he's basically a you've got you've got Legolas and Tauriel if you really need to to fight big combats, but basically your combats you're hoping that by the time people get in, they're so spread out that that you don't need the heroes to do all the work. Like you've got the palace guard for for extra attacks in there. Tariel can buff up her attacks if she needs to do the Thranduil role with with the the lots of attacks. And yeah, you don't want you don't want to put Thranduil out where it could just be killed out because that's what I would do in this army if I could. I would take Thranduil out ASAP because that terror bubble is really really impressive, and and needs to go. And he's also the leader. He's not hard to kill, but he's a, he's a backline hero. He's shooting, and then he comes into combats that you're pretty sure he's going to win and just adds his might. And Thranduil can just hit when he needs to and just be opportunistic. Okay, well I like that, Kylie. I don't have any obvious improvements for that one except getting more spears onto the palace guard, but I don't actually think that's really that much of an option. There's nothing to drop. If you if you want to drop Legolas' horse, I guess you could, but that sounds like a... It's, it sounds pretty useful at times. I don't know if I'll drop that. Yeah, you could drop maybe a bow on Tariel and pick up a few extra spears, but there's not really many places to put the extra spears. Like, the, the list is pretty much yeah bang on. Like, you can maybe, I suppose, drop the shield off the banner... And then put another spear on a palace guard, but even then, it's like it's much of a monotonous. Yeah. Anyway, let's 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 move from the standard, you know, front to back pure lists, and let's get into some crazy shenanigans, Jeremy. You've got a Lake Town force that you wanted to show. So, Kylie, I had an army that I used to play in the old editions where I had. Uh, it was themed around the Lake Town from the Hobbit movies. So I had uh, Legolas, Tariel, Four Dwarves, and then a bunch of Lake Town all together. And it, it played so well. It was so nice. It just did its job. It shot like a champion and had a, a good wall of dwarves to fight combats. And the Lake Town were able to just go and help out whenever they wanted to. But, but that army, due to the Alliance rules, which you know our, our thoughts on those ones, that yes, army, mm-hmm. Thorin's company... Can't those four dwarves are not allowed to be left in Lake Town under the new rules? Not allowed. So uh, it happened in the movie. Of course they aren't. Of course they aren't. It happened in the movie. That's okay. But the writers and and whoever whoever wrote it is uh, have decided that no, what happened in the movie is not thematic. Those dwarves cannot be on their own. They must have Thorin with them at all times. They cannot wander off on their own. They cannot be left in Lake Town. Can't happen. So I've had to instead change it up a little bit. So my theory now is I've used the champions of Erebor because they are green allies, so they don't need a babysitter. So they're the green allies. You know how in Lake Town they get that armor, the, the Lake Town armor? Yeah. I am assuming now that that's just as good as finely wrought dwarf <laughs> armor because you know that, that Lake Town armor is as good as finely wrought Numenorean armor. It's yes, just as no, good. That is true. That is true. That is true. Lake Town armor is as good as finely wrought uh, Numenorean armor. That is true. I, I I see your logic here, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm on the trolley. I'm here with you to the end. So so my thought is here that you have to go to the effort to convert uh, some Lake Town Thorin's company in there and use the champions of Erebor profiles for them. So here's what I've got, Kylie. This is this is it. This is, I've, I've done it a thousand because you know I'm going to spend a bucket load of points on heroes. So I've got Legolas with Elven Cloak and Orcrist because I'm going for the movie theme and at this time I'm pretty sure he had Orcrist. I don't think Thorin had it at this time. So good Orcrist. Uh, take it or leave it with Orcrist. It's so good against Orcs. It does nothing against anyone else. I've got Tariel with Elf Bow because of course you need that... that the love story rubbish going on. I've got Keely, champion of Erebor with dwarf bow. So I, I forgot that these guys could have bows. 
So why not give him a bow? I've got Philly with a dwarf bow as well. And then I've got Bofa and Oin as well. So we've got the four champions of Erebor that were there. These guys are absolute tanks with defense eight, Lake Town armor. So they're, they're going to be a huge wall. And then I've got for my Lake Town contingent, I've gone pretty, pretty heavy, maybe even over the top on heroes, but too bad. I'm all in on heroes wide as well. I've gone for, for Bard. Now, Bard's yep. a, such a good bowman, and most of my heroes so far have taken a, a good bow shot. So I, I'm already hitting pretty well with bows. So I might as well go in on that. Bards, you have to take him anyway. So Bard's all good. He just makes the army run. I've gone for Sigrid and Tilda, and they are fantastic because they're just pumping up him with heroic combats and other bonuses and, and doing really well. I've gone for six Lake Town Militia with bow, two with shield, and just one Lake Town Militia. So I think this person's going to be like a, a guard for Sigrid and Tilda. So no no extra weapons. They're just there to, to babysit them and, and help them out. Um, basically, doing points manipulation. Warband yeah. 2... I have Bane, so I've gone for all of Bard's kids, because if I'm going to do two of them, I might as well do three of them. Uh, Bane's got three Lake Town Militia with Spear and two with Shield, so a little tiny warband there. Uh, basically, they, they go as close to Bard as they can and just, just get the bonuses off Sigrid and Tilda and power up some heroic combats. Hopefully, they also have a champion of Erebor in that heroic combat as well to, to really power it up. And then I've got Warband 3, um, a Lake Town Militia Captain with Shield, and Alfred the Counselor. Now, I thought thematically Alfred's probably not going to be hanging around with the others because I don't particularly like him, but I can see him getting in the ear of a captain. Now, he can give his his might to, to Bard or whatever. That's fine. But also, it's nice tactically. Uh, the captain's got that useful march, and sometimes you need that, so giving extra power to that can help as well. So Alfred's in there with the Lake Town captain. They've got seven Lake Town militia with spear and two with shield, so they'll probably be at the back somewhere. Maybe I need some more shield in there, but I've gone for lots of spear because I've got those champions of Erebor as a front rank, so chances are the heroes do all the fighting in this one, and the militia just spear support. And finally, I've got another warband. I've gone for Percy, just to, to keep the, the bow heroes going. Gives a slight bonus to Lake Town Militia shooting. That's all good. Uh, I've got two Lake Town Militia with spear, five with bow, and one with shield as well. So I've got for 44 models all up. Not a, not a massive army, but big enough. And I've got, what's this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen heroes. Thirteen heroes. Wow. 13 heroes, and let's be honest, uh, 10 of them are, are combat heroes that, that can get up there and get get down and dirty and fight some actual real combat, <laughs> yes. too. I, I like the evolution of your list, Jeremy. I'm not going to lie. It, it's, it's, it's lost a couple of kind of key things that I loved about the old list, particularly the fact that... Um, Bard the Bowman had the Black Arrow on his Great Bow. I thought that was mm. one of the greatest special rules that they had in the game. And to lose that Black Arrow on the Great Bow, I thought was a real big shame. Because I distinctly remember, Jeremy, a lovely moment where Killy took a shot at a Boromir of Gondor, just the regular Fellowship Boromir, did a wound, Bard, Black Arrow, bang, did a wound, and then Legolas went, I'll finish him off. And sunk two more to my point and killed Boromir. <laughs> just bang, bang, bang. Three shots in a row from three heroes. And honestly, you can kind of do the same thing with this list too, okay? Yes, it's not going to be as reliable without the Black Arrow and Alfred being able to sling mine around as willy-nilly as he used to be. But if you, you know, go a shot with Legolas, Tariel, Killy, Philly, Percy, and Bard all at the same target, that target's got to be worried because if you think 
I would happily sink uh, six, seven, maybe even eight my points to knock out like a key ring ray for uh, you know take off a shaman or something like that. Oh yeah, it it does does do so much. The nice thing as well about being green allies is you get the uh, the twelve inch saver of, of Lake Town rule. So the one plus fight value and being in range of a banner. That that's insane. I've got twelve inch banner reach across the board with Bard and the, and the Lake Town, so I can spread them out a lot more than I used to. Remember, I used to play them; they were basically in that six inch bubble, and they, they stayed close together, all supported. Now I've got no problem sending off a champion of Erebor, a Legolas, and some Lake Town militia off to do a mission far out because they they're going to fight just as well. So that's a good. The positive side now is I've got Bard's kids in there, so I can for a small amount of investment. It's not it's not nothing. But I've got heaps more potential for for heroics and getting Bard to get one plus fight value is pretty nice because going up from fight five to fight six, fight six is a really nice amount for a hero. It means that I don't have to spend his might on strike as much, and, and so that's pretty handy. And I can also do some sneaky stuff where he combats into range of them. But yeah, they've also got the uh, the free heroic combats. That's so so much fun. But yeah, don't don't let them get sh- slain. But they're going to be stuck in the middle of a whole bunch of Lake Town Militia, so hopefully people won't get to them. Hopefully not. You should be able to guard Sigurd and Soldier pretty well. You have a lot of you have a lot of peel and a lot of uh, shenanigans with uh, the truly obnoxious amount of might that you have. What is it, what, three? Oh, too six, many. <laughs> nine, twelve. I think that's another three from Bofra and Oin, so that's 15. Bard has another three. That's 18. Bane has one. Laytown Captain has another two. So we're up to 21. You know, roughly 24 might points, I think, if my math is correct and I'm remembering my rules profiles. That's a lot of might, Jeremy. There isn't there isn't a lot that you can't do. Yeah, what I'm trying to think about to do is how to do the conversions for the the heroes for it, the, the champions. I'm thinking grabbing those uh what are they, the the Master of Lake Towns guys, the the helmets and the that armor, and basically shorten their legs so have the cloaks going too long, so that it's like they're wearing a dress, and then uh change out the heads and maybe that's enough if I can swap out these for Thorin's company set. It could be a really convert, cool conversion opportunity. Make sure they get similar dwarf weapons so that they um so they're obviously dwarfs, so give them the, the dwarf axes and stuff and and see how we go it could be it could be a really fun list to to put together and play yeah most definitely all right well moving on from that i have a thousand point uh list for you jeremy it's a bit more uh monstery than the previous one so i hope you'll uh like what i've come up with here so in warband number one we have uh thrandall king of the woodland realm on elk with the elf bow the heavy armor and the additional uh uh, swords, so big kitchen, no crown though, mm, mm. Uh, and I'll get to why in a moment. Uh, he has three palace guard with shield, six palace guard with shield and spear, one palace guard with banner shield spear. My 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 favorite little ten model combo that I've uh, basically converted my box set of palace guard up to. And whenever I take uh, Thrandall's Hall, I always like to take that very specific warband. Uh, I've also got three Merkle Tavern in that list. Uh, I don't know why I haven't selected the shield option in the spreadsheet, but just, just pretend there's a shield option. I knew I had points left to to, to whack a, um, some shields onto them. Mm-hmm. So consider the cab to have shields there. Uh, in Warband 2, we have a Palace Guard Captain with shield, three Palace Guard with shield, and another three Palace Guard with shield and spear for a total of six models in each Warband. And finally, in Warband number 3, we have Tyrell with an Elf Bow. Uh, she has seven Merkwood Rangers and three Wood Elf Sentinels. And finally, the Piece de Resistance, the cherry on top of the Amulet. Bayon. 
Mm. I really like Bayon as an ally for it because it, this army can do something that just really intimidates. You've got a good amount of shooting to, to keep it under control. You've got the Sentinels to, to dance around. And, and Palace Guard, we talked about how much of a good combat force that is. And, and for them to just spread around Bayorn and just basically follow him around. If he wants to go uh, somewhere, they'll just follow him. And, and you could even use the Merkwood Cavalry just to block off his his certain routes of escape so he can only go to certain places. I think you've got a, a good list here. Thou- like... How hard is it to write a list of a thousand? Really, you get everything you possibly want. I, I'm interested to hear why you wouldn't just drop a sentinel and throw in the the circle of kings because I find that terror bubble to be so so valuable for the disruption part of the army. Well, I didn't think you overly needed as much as you did in other previous army lists because you have Bayon who's going to be basically at the front and kind of be your big shepherd and, and bodyguard for your list. So. Getting that extra additional terror out, because I imagine Bayon being at the front and then the rest of your list kind of sitting behind Bayon. And like as as kind of like an additional thing too, you can quite easily swap out Bayon for say Treebeard and have Bayon uh, have Treebeard take the place of Bayon and similar things. You have your army sitting behind the big scary monster and you know, peel, peel, peeling and uh, supporting them but not actually really getting in there and, and doing a lot of the fighting themselves. I think there's some other things that you probably could have done. Um, I could have done a little bit better with the list. I think uh, specifically maybe an eagle or, or something in there, possibly um, even um, say uh, tribute and two ants supported by Thrandall and some elves and stuff. Uh, rocking around the back could be interesting too. But um, one of the things I found is allies really make it difficult to get like a nice, um, flowing list because you kind of really want to run the big monsters with lots of Merkwood Rangers, but you can't take lots of Merkwood Rangers mm. anymore under the Allied um, restrictions. Whereas before, um, the uh, Merkwood Rangers were basically, you could freely ally them into basically wherever. It didn't matter. Um, you didn't have to worry about the Allied Matrix. You didn't have to worry about Valor Heroes. You could basically take you know a bunch of Captains and Tyrell, Spam out a whole bunch of Merkel Rangers and then plonk Tribute and two ants in front of in front of them and and have them d- uh, deal with all the shield walls and take all the damage and stuff while the Merkwood Rangers kind of flitch it around the side. But you can't do that anymore. It's a, it's a little annoying in a way, um, but at the same time I can understand like some of the the Ally Matrixes do that. But man, the Ally Matrix it's 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 it's, it's hurting. It's hurting. It certainly does. It makes it harder, but I, I think this is all right. I, I do like I like the combat force of Bayorn because in this army, whereas in the past it's like okay, Bayorn goes and the other rest dance around. Like Palace Guard love being in combat, They're, like more so than any other elves that I know of. They just love guess just getting in the face of the enemy and just engaging. So having Bayorn and a bucket of Palace Guard just as a, as yeah as you said a spearhead just pushing them forward and just seeing what they can do is huge and you can, you've got that nice part where okay the Palace Guard are there ready to go with their one plus to wound Bayorn bowls down the lines you've got double strikes against everything and all of a sudden you, you're causing all kinds of problems so I do think the monster is a good addition to this this force and it plays like an elf force that you don't recognize it doesn't seem like an elf force at all at this point no, no, it doesn't. And I kind of like that in the way too, having this really nasty combat-centric elf force that's, that's peeling for something scary like a beyond because there's nothing more annoying than having having your like high fight strikers and stuff to go into Bayon and deal with Bayon and then have a fight seven 
uh, Thranduil or Five Seven Palace Guard Captain coming into peel for him. It it can be really frustrating to having to to get your fight value up high enough to be able to deal with them. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think this is a fun list to try out as well. So I, I would be keen to do. We don't play enough thousand points. We've got to we've got to do a bit more and try out some of these crazy lists. I think part of our problem as well when we play high points, you often go a little bit conservative. You don't take the craziness. So I think some some point we've just got to say let's do a, a day of okay thousand points, but it's got to be something kind of interesting and different, not just your standard list bumped up mm. by by ten models. As an aside, I think. Um... Thranduil's Halls, I think, would be really interesting to play at 1,500 as well. There was a, earlier in the year, I was playing a lot of really big mega games, what I was calling them, basically on big games on 6.4s, and you basically get lots of different engagements mm. happen throughout a game. And I think Thranduil's Halls would lend themselves to playing one of those big 1,500-point games against um, something quite interesting and getting some really interesting games out too. Because I, I distinctly remember um, playing against 1,000 points of Rivendell and uh, sorry, fifteen hundred points of Rivendell, uh, with a whole bunch of goblins and a Balrog and stuff, and going, oh, this is this is interesting, and there's a lot more threats going around. So suddenly, you know, the Balrog isn't the be all and end all, and I think the same thing would happen for say Thranduil, Lantariel, and Legolas, where you know you have these big key models, but you know where they are on the table is a lot more important. So I wouldn't mind trying something even bigger than a thousand Jeremy at some point with uh with Thranduil Souls. Yeah, I, I think that'd be good fun. Yeah, because so I was looking at it sometimes and I, I've I've often designed like 650, 750 lists and then realized I could actually put two side by side, no problem at all. So so definitely my armies are, are grown big and, and these ones grow big pretty quickly because everything costs so much points. So so yeah that that'll be good fun. Okay Kylie my next one I've gone for th- we we're all doing thousand this time. I don't know what what is with this episode in thousand points, but I've gone for an alliance. I'll go through the elves first, then I'll tell you what I've allied with, and and I really hope this will work. So let's see what I've got. I'm not that confident, but I hope I've gone for Thranduil with elf bow. One of the first times I've taken the elf bow, heavy armor, additional sword, and the circlet. So I've gone for the foot Thranduil with with the bow to say come at me, but I've gone the circlet. I can't I can't not take it. It's just so pretty. Then I've gone for a palace guard with banner, spear, and shield. I've gone for seven palace guard with spear and shield, one palace guard with shield. So clearly I'm doing some points manipulation there. And then I've got six Mirkwood Elves with shield. So I've got a nice combat warband with Thranduil. Uh, everything there's got shields, which is pretty important. I've gone for my second Thranduil's Halls, Halls of Thranduil warband, is Tariel with Elf Bow, and then two Sentinels because, well, Sentinels are just so much fun. So two Sentinels, pretty low on the, the Halls of Thranduils. Uh, so I've only got so far, what's that, uh, 19 models. And then I've gone for an allied contingent of the White Council. So I've gone for, uh, you could take a wizard. I want a wizard. So either Saruman on horse or Gandalf on horse, whatever you prefer. I've gone for Saruman on horse, but, but take Gandalf if you want. That's fine. I've gone for Galadriel, Lady of Light. We know how fun she is. And then I've gone for, I wanted another hitter. So I've gone for Glorfindel with Asphaloth and the Armor of Gondolin. So basically only three extra guys. It's only only 22 models, but I've got some big, big, big heroes. Thranduil uh, in the foot combat version with a bow. Taril on foot, so they can just go and engage hordes. I've got Gladril who can hit with anyone and also can scare off any nasty wizards, monsters, uh, spirits around. Sorry. And then uh, Saruman. Saruman's not really combat, but Saruman does some seriously good stuff. And then I've got Glorfindel, who's who's a good combat elf, can just do anything. Lord of the West is really nice and, and hits pretty hard. 
and I've gone specifically for, for elves that are a bit resilient. So I've got lots of elves with shield, and basically they're just going to peel for the heroes as much as they can. Nasty, you have some serious, serious magic, and Thranduil's Circlet of Kings is a really good leading spell because you're always guaranteed the six to start with. So you could threaten some really nasty uh, crowd control, you know, go, look for the knockdown on like a key model and then follow it up with, say, a Glorfindel or, uh, or, or Thranduil himself and really threaten kind of a really nasty charge and dive. I kind of really like it too, especially like the dive buddies that you could possibly get going with Thranduil and Glorfindel. Not bad. Not <laughs> bad at all. I, I This is the list. Um, I'll peek behind the curtain a little bit here. The White Council list scares me the most out of all the lists in the game in terms of what can I do to make it work? Because it looks just really tough and it's so far out of my play style. I've I've got better at, at heavy he- hero heavy lists but I'm still, it's not my comfort zone, really. And I, I even find it tough to write a list for it because I look at it and I go, well, 1,000 points, how many Ballast Guard could I get at 1,000 points? I could get heaps and heaps of them. Oh, wait a second, no. But I, instead, I'll go for like a almost a fellowship with a with a, a small contingent just to back me up. Um, I ummed and ahed about what I wanted from the White Council a lot. I was... I, 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 Initially, was going for Radagast because he's got the mount options. So he's got either the Eagle or the Slay, which which hit really hard and can do heaps of damage. But the problem is the Circlet and Radagast spell lists pretty much overlap. So you've got uh, yeah, you've got that the Circlet of Kings. The best thing about it is that Aura of Dismay, and that's what Radagast does. That's his thing. So in the end, I thought, oh, no, let's steer clear of that and let's let's rely on Glorfindel for the hitting if I need to hit hard on the charge. And then you've got yeah, the, the Saruman's really nice in that he's very, very reliable for for spells. And then you've got Galadriel's magic as well, which is nice. And uh, you don't have to worry about the rivalry that Saruman has because you can't afford Gandalf as well. So who cares about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's, there's, there's some cool combos you can do. And Angmar's going to be terrified of it, absolutely terrified of this list. And I think... I think the thing that really uh, I really like um, the most out of two is that Thranduil and Glorfindel kind of... Um, because you got the elk, which is no, I don't have know, the elk. On a bit, oh, you don't have the elk. No, I've got. Oh, it's an elf bow. It's elf, elf bow. Not yeah, elf. yeah, no, no, no. I put. I specifically thought about um, Thranduil and Tauril playing back to back, and I, I, I wanted this to play as a really tight ball. So I've only got a couple horse. Saruman is on a horse just because I need to magic where I need it. So he's almost like my back safety. And then Glorfindel, well, just just the one punchy horse. But I don't want too many horses because then it takes up too much space in my front rank as well. So I, I went for I, I went against what I normally did, Kylie. I, I went for, for no mount for Thranduil because well, I just thought that I would need to keep him with the rest of the lines. But you could easily drop a, a palace guard or whatever in the bow and just put an elk in. Yeah, because the way I was I was looking at it was Thranduil and Glorfindel being this big obligatory kind of wall in front of your opponent whilst your um your palace guard and Tariel and the wizards and, and Galadriel are picking off and, and, and guarding their, their flanks and sides whilst you, you know, hug around some terrain pieces and stuff like that. Yeah, that's definitely a way to do that. So the, the, you've got some options there. Uh, if you went for something like a Gandalf, the Grey, instead of, um, instead of Saruman, you could get the blinding light going as well and, and be basically cut down their shooting. So there, there's there's options about how you run this, and I think it will be sprinkled around for taste. 
I'm still not 100% sure how well it will go. I think it's, 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 it is out of my comfort zone. So I'd have to put it on the table, try it out a little bit more. And when we eventually do a White Council episode, hopefully I'll be able to tell you more about this kind of army list. Because I think this is, I think this is how I'll end up running White Council with, with basically a little elf um, ally and, and see how we go there. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, so I've got another little bit of a wacky one for you, Jeremy. And this is this is one where, once again, the Allies Matrix is kind of kind of screwed me around a little bit. I I ran this in the old edition, and it was a really fun list for me to to kind of plan right because you could take like these little small pockets of models from these different parts different factions and they will gel pretty well together and you get some real interaction. But now with the Allied uh, contingents, I'm forced to make some concessions that honestly I didn't really want to make. So in Warband number one, we have Legolas Prince of Mirkwood on horse. He's leading four Mirkwood Elves with uh, Elven Make Glaive and four Mirkwood Elves with Shield. In Warband number two, we have Tara with Elf Bow and she's leading four Mirkwood Rangers and one Wood Elf Sentinel. In Warband number three, we have Aragorn, Strider with armor, Elven Cloak, Horse, and Bow. In Warband number five, four, five, and six, we have just a regular old independent character, Dunedain, just chilling out by themselves. And finally, in Warband number seven, we have Gandalf the Grey on horse, who is the leader of the army. Yeah, you're right. It's it's yeah, very different to how it would be before, wouldn't it? So you've got. Normally, you wouldn't be bothering with, with maybe Legless. You might go cheaper on the the elves for it and having him around. Because I've seen you do this this Gandalf the Grey Aragorn type list before and then with elves hanging around, you, you're limited because you don't have the ranger options. Like, the the idea here would be just to go Dunedain with Spear and then have some, some Merkled Rangers, but you've only been able to take the four with Merkled Rangers and then a Sentinel. Yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. Because that's... That's that's what's really hurt me the most is in the old edition of this list, I instead of taking um Legolas and that like weird eight contingent model of Mirkwood Elves, he was basically another Mirkwood captain, uh a handful more Mirkwood Rangers, and then the Sentinel and some extra points I had left over were some uh more men. I can't remember specifically. I think I had Farmer Maggot or something in the list as just this really weird quirky option. Um but basically it was this quirky little hunt for golem list that basically focused around Aragorn and the Mirkwood Elf Rangers as these kind of this little hit squads and and kind of running around being opportunistic, being annoying, playing around terrain and, and using heroic actions to basically outmaneuver and outplay my opponent. It was very skill orientated. But now that I've lost a lot of that that those tricks and a lot of the the kind of self-sufficiency of the Mirkwood Rangers, I don't feel it, it works as well as it used to. No, my, my concern with this one is it's it's so reliant on Aragorn getting his way because none of the other stuff is really that threatening. Like Legolas, even if he's on a horse, he doesn't hit that hard once you get into combat. Yes, he's good shooting, but your shooting is still not over the moon good. Like it's, it's okay. You'll outshoot most people because you've got the blinding light. You've got whatever it is, that the 10 bows, but still I'm like, uh, I, I can live with that. I, I'm not against that. Once you get into combat, the elves are going to go down pretty quickly. The Dunedain have only got the one attack on foot, so they're, they're potentially going to go down quickly. Gandalf's not a hitter, so it's going to be all Aragorn, and if you can use Aragorn well, you'll do okay, but I think you're giving you a pretty difficulty rating on this one. What points was it again, Kylie? 
Uh, I think this one was 800, which again is another kind of mm. big thing because I, when I ran it before the Hunter Gong, I ran it to uh, one of our local kind of narrative tournaments, Silmarilla, and it was at a 650 point limit. So there was less big scary stuff to deal with. And yeah, I didn't have Legolas and that contingent of elves, but it was a lot more self-sufficient because it had a couple of captains and a handful of Merkwood Rangers to kind of run around and be skirmishy and be opportunistic. Yeah, I just worry about like those scenarios where you set up pretty close and if you get like an aggro defense six army, like a, even like an, an Isengard or a Gundabad Orc or something like that, I think they're just going to run into it and just cause big, big problems for it because uh, you're not going to be able to shoot them off the, to, off the board. And then once you're in combat, it's going to be... Yeah, how much can Aragorn do? And they're probably going to be hitting you as hard as Aragorn's hitting them. So, I I'm concerned about this one, Kylie. I think this one could be a like a one that you play if you had an idea of what you're playing against and and what scenarios you're playing against. It feels like yeah. it feels like almost a narrative points match game rather than than a, a take all comers type points match game in in my eyes. And I think at that point, then you just say stuff the allies rules. Just take something that take a hunt for Gollum, and I'll take a an orc army that's got some stalkers, some some specters, some orcs, and some other spooky stuff as well as some orc patrols, and let's see what we can do. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. But I, again, this is this is um, it's it's one of those lists that got really kind of mucked up a bit with with the allies and stuff like that. So mm. yeah, <laughs> I, I'm so I'm so disappointed that I can't just take my because one of my favorite little warbands I used to love to like ally into like kind of my weird quirky like wanderers in the wild type list because I used to love running like weird Wanderers in the Wild list with, like, you know, um, Moon and Dra, you know, Aragorn, some random rangers, maybe Gandalf kicking around, and, and just these kind of guys that don't really fit into any one specific army list. They kind of just float about and, and kind of can easily join other ones. And I loved being able to ally in a Mirkwood Ranger captain and, you know, three, four, four Mirkwood Rangers. They would just add a, an extra little shooting skirmishing force that I could rely on to just, you know, hang around the side and, and be self-sufficient. You know, if they get trapped and surrounded, well, they're going to go down swinging because they get a whole bunch of extra attacks so they can pick off a couple of extra guys too, particularly the captains. So to lose that ability to, to ally those Mirkwood Ranger captains into other lists, uh, I've... I, I personally am hurt by it. <laughs> personally attacked by it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah I, I understand. The allies are a lot harder. We've, we've gone all in on the allies. And Kylie, I think there's more as well because I've gone some experimental allies as well. Uh, I got very excited with the idea of doing second age stuff here because of the, the allies matrix, this is one of the few that's opened up where I can ally across ages. So I got I got very excited. I thought, well, let's do let's do um, the halls of Thranduil in the second age. So if having like Numenorians as an ally, that would be amazing. So I've gone through. I've tried my best here, and then suddenly realised that that I could probably do it better elsewhere. But let me let's let me tell you what I've got first of all, and and see what you think of it. So I've gotten seven fifty. So I've gone for a, a more manageable number here. I've got, of course, Thranduil, King of Woodland Realm, and I've got the Forgeur model in my eye. So I've got the Elk, the Heavy Armor, the Additional Sword, and the Circlet. Let's go all in that way. Might as well. 185 points. Good. Uh, he's got six uh, Mirkwood Elves with Shield, six Mirkwood Elves with Bow, and four Mirkwood Cavalry with Shield. So no Spear Elves at all here. So I've just gone for the Mirkwood Elves. No Palace Guard either for me, which is interesting. And I've got the I've got the cavalry contingent, which is nice as well. He's on an elk; they can hit pretty hard. So that that's altogether sixteen infantry plus him, so seventeen elves. And I've allied with Numenor. I've gone for Elendil, the High King. I thought about Isildur, but 
I, I decided on a Lindell because I thought that free heroic combats can really cause some damage. So he's got a horse and shield as well. So a, a cavalry contingent of Thranduil, four Merkled cavalry, and Elendil could be pretty nasty. They've got a... Sorry, Elendil's got a warrior of Numenor with spear, shield, and banner. Uh, nine warriors of Numenor with spear, shield, because I always imagine Numenor as being this shield wall with spears as well. And then five warriors of Numenor with bow. So I've actually gone for as much bows as I can fit into that. 15 Numenorian models plus a Lindil. So it's going to be a total of 33 models at 750, which I don't think is terrible for, for elite elves. I don't think the numbers uh, are that bad. Uh, but I'll, I'll go through my thoughts a bit later. What's your thoughts on this one, Kylie, as is? Um, I'm feeling that you're really hurting from the lack of your army bonuses. Mm. From both sides, weirdly enough, um, I think the plus one courage on the Numenor side is very handy, and the the losing the plus one to wound from the from the elves is also quite a quite a quite an oof moment. I, you'd almost want the elves to have spears so that they can run behind the warriors of Numenor and spear up their strength four or something like that. But even still, the list just feels it feels like it's missing something. Yeah, I I got really excited about it. Then came up with this, and I was I was trying to optimize. I was moving things around, and in the end, I was like, "Yeah, take it or leave it." So then I, I realized, what if I did instead? And I haven't put up this list, but just hypothetically, instead of a Lindel as my ally, I do a proper L four. So I've got some palace guard in there with some spears and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's proper one, not not just the the Merkled Elves and the Cavalry. And then instead I just take Thorin on a goat and then Iron Hills. And I'm basically getting the same stuff. I'm getting a free heroic combat machine that's mounted. So that's pretty much the same. I'm getting uh, good, better defense. Well, significantly better defense than the Numenorans. The Numenorans are pretty fragile. I'm getting all the spears in the world that I want. If I want some bows, well, I've got the crossbows. They're fine. I can add some goats so I can add some cavalry. And the difference between Elendil and Thorin in price is huge. So to basically to do the same job and to be a significant amount less, uh, I would go the Green Alliance and just keep keep Thorin in there. So I was a little bit disappointed it didn't work out how I imagined in my mind because I think if you want to just take a competitive list, you're better off sticking to just the Erebor Reclaimed as the, the Green Ally. Yeah, it seems like it. You're pretty pretty much spot on there, Jeremy. I, I honestly, I don't have anything else to add. I think I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head as best as you can. I, will ma- I would add one more thing. I think it's a little bit makes me a little bit sad that that third age elves are more powerful than second age elves. I think it should be the other way around. Yes, agreed. Yep, hundred percent agreed. Hundred percent agreed. Yep. Okay. Okay. So that was my my poor attempt. I got very excited about the idea of giving Numenor an ally, and then that's the best I could come up with. I, I thought, oh, yeah, the ring would be really cool, but then you can just ally him Bilbo from Lake Town and get the ring as well. So it's just. Uh, it is what it is there. Kylie, is that all of them or do you have another one? I have I have one more and I think uh did you have one more? Oh, I can throw another one in. If you've got another one, I'll get another one. Let's 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 do that, okay? All Deal? Right. Alright. Deal. Sounds like a good plan. Alright, so remember early in the podcast when I talked about uh possibly allying Tariel and some Merkle Rangers into like a warband of Woses? No, because that was like well, an hour ago. Got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well well that's what I've got because I really liked, uh, again, when harking back to the I loved allying Merkwood Angels into random lists, this was one of them, except I found out um, you can't ally uh, Tariel into the Merkwood, uh, into the Woes list without 
having Legolas or Thranduil to babysit her there. <laughs> so I basically went, well, Bogatariel then. I'll take Big Thran Daddy himself. So in Warband 1, we have um, Thranduil, King of Workwood, with just the additional Elven Maid Sword. He has a random uh, Mirkwood Ranger uh, in his Warband. Uh, in Warband 2 and 3, we have uh, two Mirkwood Ranger Captains. And finally, in Warband number 4, we have Garnbury Garn, 10 uh, Woes Warriors and 5 Woes Warriors with uh, weapon swaps. Maybe for some clubs or some axes or stuff to get in uh, and uh, do a bit of extra damage there. So all up, 20 models exactly. So it's a little easier to kind of work out your, your breaking quarters. And it's a 500-point list. Okay, so 500 points. You're really, really lower models. But let, let's be honest. It's going to be the, the two Merkled Ranger Captains and Thranduil doing all the combats, and ideally you don't want to be doing combats. You want to just shoot with every single model that you can. Uh, why doesn't Thranduil have a, have a bow? Uh, good question, because I forgot I had weapon swap blocked in, but yes. No, you're 100% right, Jeremy. You would definitely swap out those weapon swaps for a bow. So just quick edit on that. <laughs> Uh, ignore the weapon swaps. Thranduil will have a bow. I just, yeah, I think it's better because this is it's similar to your four hundred point list in that you're trying to do as much work as you can with the shooting, and like Woes is they're, they're they're really great value, and they're 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 great when they get to just use their blowpipes, and then when the enemy just desperately charges them, they go in and fight off in their little mini uh, Woes wall. But they're actually not particularly good at, at holding up. They don't have shield options, so they've only ever got the one attack each. They're, they're pretty fragile. Like if you go in with them, they they disappear pretty quickly. So ideally, your three elf heroes are protecting them. So they're the ones that engage, and you 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 want them to engage the line with the Wozers out of range almost. You want them to be far back and just let the extra attacks of the rangers do their work once you've softened up anything that can strike. So if you don't kill something that can strike Kylo the shooting here, I think you're in a bit of trouble because I think that's going to be your, your main play because then the Merkled Ranger captains become very hard to kill because they'll have higher fight than anything equivalent. But if something can strike, then they'll go in and, and throw in a million attacks against the Rangers captain, a million attacks, but then they'll strike up and win the combat and kill them pretty easily. So I think you've got a list here that, that's definitely playable. Uh, the Woes are certainly slow it down a bit. But it feels like a bit of one of those like camp and wait for the enemy to come to you armies as much as anything. Oh, definitely, it is a hundred percent a gimmick list. Uh, like that's why I haven't taken like the circle of the kings in there because, or, or the heavy armor on Thranduil for that matter. It's it's supposed to be you know easy to work out, easy to see what it does, and just a bit of a have some fun with just this gimmick idea of uh, you know everything is cloaked and everything has a ranged weapon and. Woes is doing woes things with some um, with some additional help. Yeah, the circlet would be really cool in this list, wouldn't it? Just to be able to to have terror causing woeses. That's nice. Yeah, easy easy drop there. Like just drop a woes in that Merkwood Ranger, and there you go. There's your circlet. Uh, close, isn't it? Uh, you probably have to drop two woes, but that's fine. Just drop. Oh, I'm one point under. I'm four hundred ninety nine points. So. Oh, okay. You got the spare points just. Here. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, you drop them. Yeah. I, I would, I would take the circlet, but I, you know how biased I am towards the circlet. I, I love having terror. I know that some games it doesn't do anything, but just to be able to know that, okay, if there's a shaman and I, my whole army causes terror, I know straight away what my main target is. I know what I'm going at, and like if there's a bodyguard captain, just shoot out that bodyguarder and and try to go kill it, and it just just helps, especially in the late game when when people don't have a lot of models to have them fail in courage tests to charge is really annoying. 
So I like the circlet, but then again, you you're gonna get really lower models. It's it's an interesting army. It's very it's gonna be a swinging army, but it's gonna be a lot of fun as well. And yeah, I I, I don't I don't mind this one. It, the 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 roses at least make sense in this army because they're doing a similar thing, and then the spears help out quite a bit. And it allows the Merkled Rangers to really show off their their billion extra attacks rule. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if you noticed, Jeremy, but I love the billion extra attacks rule. You do. I I I love it, but it never works for me because everyone now knows that they've listened to some podcast, probably not ours, but they've listened to someone that's told them just charge one on one. So they keep doing that, and they keep trapping me with just like a couple models at the back, but not actually engaging, just putting them a millimeter away and stopping me from getting out meanies. So they don't power up my attacks. Yeah, the, the five-head play, though, is to set up in, like, this weird, like, um, formation where you, you you leave big gaps between your Merkwood Rangers, and then you basically use it, uh, use the formation so that your opponent goes into these awkward one-on-one combats so that you're taking up more space and creating more of a, a battle line um, than you would without it. It's 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 like it's, it's using the fact that you know that your opponent is going to be fighting in one-on-one combat against mm. them by making them go into a weird formation to make it easier for your mounted heroes and thrandals and stuff to get in and get multiple kills a turn. Yeah, you're right. There are there are ways you can use that knowledge to your advantage, but it's it's I think gone are the days where you could surprise people with this one because no one's surprised by it anymore. So yes, just knowing what's going to happen, they're going to fight one-on-one. But honestly, Merkle Ranger captains, if they're fighting one-on-one good luck to them they're not going to die they'll just keep killing so that that's pretty nice as well yep okay well yeah. you you got to do another one I'm, all right jeremy your last list. i'm doing another one i'm doing another one. this too many lists kylie this is ridiculous we're, we're going way over our list allocation for it and and the, the listeners who have listened this far are going to be outraged at all these lists so i'm going to do another one why not why not indeed so let's go for something let's go for something a bit out of left field or right field or uh, center field or where whatever part of the field it's coming from. Let's go for an elf alliance. And I'm just killing time, so I'm trying to find it. Where is it? <laughs> oh, here it is. I found it. Okay. So I've gone for 800 points, Kylie. And I've gone for uh, for my Halls of Thranduil because, well, pretty much we have to include that in this episode. I've gone for, well, you've probably guessed it by now, full kit Thranduil, no, no, no bow, just the uh, elk heavy armor, additional sword, circlet, I'm fine with that. He is leading five Merkwood Cavalry with shield because, well, I need an excuse to paint up lots of Merkwood Cavalry. And then he's got an additional warband of Legolas on horse with two Merkwood Cavalry and shield. So we've gone for seven Merkwood Cavalry with shield and then the two mounted heroes. And I have allied them in with Rivendell. So I've gotten, unfortunately, I think that gets rid of my army bonus, which is a bit of a pain. But what I've got here is Alrond on horse with heavy armor, one Rivendell knight with banner and shield, and seven Rivendell knights with shield. So I've gone for the Rivendell knights. They can all shoot. They they hit hard, so I lose my hitting ability, but they hit pretty hard. So it's not the end of the world. But what this does over a normal Rivendell Knight army, which is probably not a huge amount to be honest, but what it does over a normal Rivendell Knight army is give me that circlet of kings. So I've got terror-causing cavalry, which against certain armies could be absolutely devastating. So that's my thought there, Kylie. Am I being stupid with this one, or have I got something? I think it's definitely a good uh, alternative option to the Rivendell Knights uh, and Radagast. 
because that's the other way you can get that aura of dismay tear down is you, is you you know you add in a cheeky um radagast you, you drop down that that terror bubble but the problem with radagast is he's only five five he doesn't have really big high-end stuff and Sarandal, I feel, is better protection for your uh, your Terra and your Circle of Kings than your Radagast would be. Because, you know, Radagast on Slay, it, he take down, like, it is easier to take him down, bigger base, you know, yes, his aura is bigger because of he's on a bigger base and stuff, but Sarandal isn't that much smaller, but he does dish out a lot more punishment than um, uh Radagast would be. And the Merkle Cab are nothing to be sniffed at. They still get that reroll. Cab is still uh, nasty on the charge. And at a bonus, you get a Legolas who can uh, do some auto hits on stuff and be really annoying with that too. Yeah, a Legolas is really good for, for a cavalry army just to pick out that certain one or to weight a heroic combat in your favor. If you're up against three guys, you want it to be against two. That's that's nice. You can do all that sort of stuff. I also think that Thrandall's nice in that you've got a model that, that can actually cop like enemy nature's wrath and knockdown stuff because he doesn't really care if he's on foot. So if they're going to get rid of someone's mount, well, let it be Thranduil and get someone on foot and he can take over it. Um, I I find, it's funny, Rivendell Knights, I find them tough to play with and a nightmare to play against. So they're really hard to play against. I found that they've, I haven't had a huge amount of luck with them playing with them because I tend to, I like that you know that one turn where you go all in with the cavalry and you're just like, right, this is the turn where I'm going to take off the front rank. That's the turn that I lose all my combats. So what I do like about this is the um, the incredible amount of banner rerolls I've got. So I've got the Rivendell Knights with banner, and then I've got Thranduil with that six-inch Mirkwood Cavalry banner. So I'm hoping that that mitigates it a little bit, because that was the problem I had was that only like five or six of the Cav models got the banner, and then the rest of them who go all in wouldn't get it, and then they'll lose their combats, even though they had two dice, and then probably get eaten up because I've only got the one wound. So I thought that this might help me out a little bit. I've I've lost a bit of the shooting over a normal Rivendell um, Knight army, but in some ways I've increased the speed because the Mirkwood Cav does not care about going half speed to shoot. So they can move really fast. Thrandall can move really fast. I've got actually a more aggro part of it. And uh, like Legolas can go just join the Rivendell Knights and essentially be be the, the shooting battery if I need to. So I, I think it's a playable one. I think it's probably just nice if you want to vary up the, the knights, but I, I don't know if it's a world beater. I think it's um, probably in the hands of a good player it could do its job, but it's um, yeah interesting choice. But, but both Elrond and Thrandall are good, good, good fighters, and Legolas is okay, so it does hit pretty hard. Yeah, I I don't mind it. I think it's a, it's a nice option to to flex with the Rivendell Knights. I think some players who are skilled and experienced with the Rivendell Knights and playing them are probably worth them having a gander at at the at this kind of allied contingent because I don't think you lose a lot um from the army bonuses on the Rivendell Knight side, which is kind of, let's be honest, that's the side you kind of care about. And I think Thrandall does he adds he adds enough to the list where it is a legitimate option. Mm, yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think, like, he he's an absolute machine on foot. The elk hits really hard. And uh, I, I just, I can't speak highly enough about the circle. It just, the amount of amount of times that that terror has just frustrated my opponent so much. And what you want to do with a cavalry army, like, nothing is more frustrating than that you finally got that chance to charge the cavalry army. You're so keen for it. You're ready to go in. And then two key models both fail their courage test and can't get in. And you've stuffed it out and left a whole bunch of knights to charge you back. And 
it, that's that's frustrating. So it's the perfect amount of frustration for it. I, I think it would look beautiful. This army, like the 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 different cavalry all together fighting, would just be amazing and be quite a spectacle. So I might try it just for that. But I, I think does it offer a huge amount over just playing Rivendell Knights? Honestly, probably not. But it's probably enough in like if you're going against an army that legitimately can't fight Terra, then this might be a good way of doing it. Yeah, hundred percent agree. It's interesting though because we hyped up the the possibility of allies, but yeah. honestly, I feel like the allied contingents that we've come up with for 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 Thrandall's halls haven't been that awe inspiring. I honestly think the green ones are by far the best because because his army bonus is so good, and you want to keep it either way. You want to be having like maximum ranges. So you can just max out ranger groups and add them to, say, Army of Lake Town and have just this shooting horde. Or you want Thrandall to hit really hard and have some dwarves to peel off. And, and the, they're like, the dwarves get so many cool hero options. And then you can also maybe, I don't know if you can or not, maybe you can sneak in the blister. I don't think you can for that one. Yeah, I think you could do, like, the mass Merkwood Ranger and blister option, but, like... Honestly, like when I look at that possibility of that list, like yeah, it's powerful, but in certain matchups where you play, you start really close, or you against someone who has drum and march, and they're in your face on turn one, it's just it's a non-game. Like just just take your army off, you're just gonna you're just gonna get mm. rolled up on turn one, or you're gonna have the exact opposite where your opponent's just gonna shoot you off of the table on turn one, and and you're not gonna really roll any dice. You might roll five dice for the game and, and that's basically your priority and maybe a couple of fate rolls here and there. But yeah, I, I feel like Thrandall's Halls is, is turned into one of those lists where you basically take them take them as a green list because yeah. of how how efficient it is by itself. Mm. It's it's really like I honestly even the dwarf contingent, most of the time I'm looking at just saying, I just want more Mirkwood Elves and more Palace Guard. I don't actually want any dwarves in there because the one plus to wound on fight five and fight six elves is is just huge. It's so good. They can take on big monsters. They can take on yeah. field walls. They can take on the half troll or, or full troll hordes. They're, they're all good that way. I do really, from a, from a gameplay point of view, I think Survivors of Lake Town is like one of the best value lists. What you get out of those little six-point warriors is huge. So that one, I think that's a legitimate option to ally in. If you want to go yeah. Bard and his friends, That's that becomes scary. So that that's probably, if you want to go the power ally, that's the one to go. But the list itself is fine, and it's it's I think it's actually really good. And it's, as I said earlier on, hours ago when we started this episode, I like it because it, it's a, an elf army that, that wants to fight in combat. Like they don't care if they're going in combat. They're, they're not just the pure, let's run away. We are the, we've honed our martial skills for thousands of years, but we're so scared of a basic orc. Yeah. It's, it's a strange one too. Cause like I, I, I'm thinking about the allies as well in my head too. And like you talked about the, the Lake town and I, I get that they can be a good uh, supplement to get your, your number count. But I'm thinking about the dwarves still. And I keep I keep coming back to this thing of what would you prefer? Because the dwarves are effectively defense eight once you you've got the shield wall going and stuff like that, and your palace guard are defense six. So you're basically trading off. Do you want your opponent to wound you one point harder or more difficult, or would you prefer to wound your opponent one point more easily? And that's the trade off I keep I keep saying. And I whenever I think about it, I'm I always come back to. I'd prefer the aggro 
I prefer yeah. to win my opponent easier than than being more defensive. Like, yeah, Iron Hills is is a good tanky front line and stuff, and maybe you could do some shenanigans with Thorin on Goat and, and go for a combats with and, and run him side by side with Randall or something like that. But at the same time, Pal's Guard can do that job pretty pretty just as good as well. And a whole bunch of extra power scar with the plus one to wound is going to be way more scary. That said, like allying someone like Bilbo with the ring into a Thranduil's halls list at, at higher points could be could be brutal because with with Thranduil, Palace Guard, and Bilbo, like nothing can stand up to that. I can walk up to to Sauron, or well, no, Sauron wouldn't work because of the ring, but like a Balrog and just just laugh at it and just just kill it pretty easily. Yeah, and any dragon, any big monster, Gorlava, yeah. any of those kind of guys are just gonna just scream bloody murder. Yeah, Gulliver is a bit problematic because you have to still catch him. But anyone else, it's yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't have much of a problem with it. So there are there are definitely options. But I I would take the Palace Guard over the Dwarves. Yes, they're more expensive, but I, that fight potential fight six is huge. That's so good. Even fight five is is a huge improvement over fight four. The the bonuses to wound are very very reliable. And anytime you play elves, when you fight combats. You you're wanting to win seventy five percent of your combats. That's that's how the numbers work. You pile the attacks in. When you're going in with three attacks and elves, that's what you should be doing. You should be winning three quarters of your combats. And if you can turn it into I'm wounding half that time, you're just going to be out wounding anyone. And and you've got the defense six to to get back. So when they get the fluky wins, there's no guarantee they'll hurt you. It just it does rip through things. And you've seen it. You've seen me play against you, Kylie. It just yeah. it rips through. Those those tank armies, it doesn't care. It just goes through them, it chops it up. I was doing wounds on Sauron with this army, no problem. It was just just chop 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 chop, and and with two handed weapons and one plus the wound, you you're looking at phenomenal amounts of damage. But you got small armies, and that's fine. Your elves, it, it's it's definitely the army for for someone who wants to play elves in a very heroic way. Yeah, hundred. I, I agree with that, Jeremy. I think that's a I think that's a good point to to wrap up this. Uh this little uh, episode that we've put together. Mm, mm, yes. Or you can play it as a coward's way and just take all ranges and run away for the whole game as well if you want. That's fine. It's got both styles. Yes, and a mixture of the two if you uh, <laughs> like to, you know, treat yourself to a bit of everything. Yep, yep. And and, and lovely models across the board, especially if you like squid masks. You're all good. So thanks a lot, Kylie. Thanks for coming on. And uh, hope, hopefully, listener, you've enjoyed this episode. I know that, that some of our listeners were excited about this when they first heard that, that I was playing around with Halls of Thranduil. And um, I, I've noticed that listeners have started to cotton on to the fact that if we start posting pictures of what we're playing with, there's likely to be an episode coming out. And honestly, that's what we have to do at the moment because we're not getting anywhere near the games that we normally would because of, of all the issues around. So, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're watching our, our Facebook page or watching us on social media and we start po- posting pictures of a lovely new army, Expect an episode at some point. That's how we're going to do it. We do episodes about the ones we're interested in, and I'm very interested in this list at the moment. It's so much fun, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So, listener, until next time... Trap Swing Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle-Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe, we're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com slash thegreendragonpodcast. 
you can contact us via our Facebook page at the Green Dragon Podcast or on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.